This show is brought to you by Cakes and Tins, where you can send the people you adore delightful and delicious gifts that give back. Go to cakesintins.com and use the code ACTINGREAL for 10% off. This show is also brought to you by LA Bookmaker, a deluxe stationery shop and custom bookbinder, offering handmade foil stamped cards, high quality calendars, and other ephemeral gifts. Go to la-bookmaker.com. Our clarity story today comes from Cheryl Freeman. Hi, I'm Cheryl. I grew up in Chicago, currently living in Arizona. Chicago's weather is tough to take. I've suffered with severe anxiety and depression my whole life, at times finding it hard to even leave the house. My greatest accomplishments are my husband, Barry, and our five children. When my son, Eric, was turning four and my daughter, Stephanie, was two, I gave birth to triplet girls, Molly, Alex, and Jessica. I've spent most of my life in freight, flight, and flea mode, which makes it difficult for me to be present and enjoy living my life. I became a fan of Zachary Levi years ago while watching Less Than Perfect, an extremely funny, laugh-out-loud kind of show. Since COVID, I started watching Chuck and was instantly sucked in. What a heartwarming show, and now my go-to. I began watching Zach's cons, Instagram Lives, and listening to his many podcasts, yours being one of my favorites. He seems so kind, caring, and most of all funny. His words inspire me to want to work on myself and learn how to enjoy life. A couple months back, I was lucky enough to find that he's doing a FanMeo event on January 9th, and we had our Zoom call. He's exactly as he seems, so incredibly authentic and easy to talk to. I shared a bit about my life. We talked about mental illness, destructive self-talk, therapies, and most importantly, self-love. He was not rushed and so very kind. I felt grateful to be talking to him, and that's a new emotion for me. Hopefully, it will continue. I mentioned to Zach how inspiring his Instagram lives are, that they are incredibly entertaining and thought-provoking. I reminded him about one in particular. The concept is we're all special, we're all made from one sperm and one egg that got together after that one sperm fighting for its life, beat all those other ones, and made it all the way to create us. I thought about it, pictured how I had beaten out those millions of sperm, thinking I don't remember winning anything before. It gave me a good feeling and some fresh insight. I have since begun EMDR, trying to do the work needed to heal myself. I've had a therapist since April. She suggested EMDR is a good choice for someone like me suffering from PTSD. I had a traumatic childhood blocking most of it, both good and bad, out. Prior to my conversation with Zach, I'd been afraid to do EMDR, thinking it might escalate my anxiety. But after our chat, I feel I have a better understanding, and it might be more helpful than I originally thought. I'm noticing that feeling of heaviness in my chest is there, but joined by a new feeling of openness. I'm hopeful this work will quiet my negative self-talk while retraining my brain with more positive thoughts, allowing me to be present in my life actually making some real memories. I'm so grateful, there's that feeling again, that I had this opportunity. It's the highlight of my life and a memory I will have forever. I hope Zach offers this again for his many fans. One word, amazing. Cheryl, thank you so much. That story is beautiful and I really applaud the work that you're doing on yourself. It's awesome. If you have a story about a time that changed your life, it can be very mundane. You were hanging out by yourself and you had a thought, or it can be crazy, crazy. You uh, were drinking plant medicine and you had a vision. Um, whatever the story is, 
if you want to share it, I want to hear it. I really, really, really do want to hear from you. Please email me at claritystories at actingrealpodcast.com. That's claritystories at actingrealpodcast.com. My guest today is Michael Urey. Hi. Uh, Michael Urey is such a fantastic human being. And I just have to tell you that we recorded this episode on March 12th, March 12th. 12th of 2020, um, which feels like kind of the day before in, in my family. Anyway, we went, we, we went into lockdown on March 13th. Um, and we didn't even know at the moment that Michael and I recorded this podcast, we did not even know that it was really like that next day or that weekend or very soon after that, that pretty much everyone would go into lockdown to the degree that they could. Um, we knew very little. We did know about the coronavirus. We talk about the coronavirus on this podcast, um, but I don't think either of us had any sense that this was going to be such, as did any of us, that this was going to be such a long, um, long lockdown, <laughs> long uh, pandemic. We didn't, we didn't have any sense of the scope of this um, and so many other things. Uh, and so um, it's an interestingly time stamped episode. Um, we do talk about coronavirus. We talk about a million other things. We talk about, uh, we get very deep, very fast about fame and success and money and better than worse than thinking and social, social media, insecurity about social media, the meaning of Instagram followers, <laughs> uh, being revealing on Instagram, um, the energetics of money, having it, not having it. Michael talks about money and and his sort of process with that and having money and not having money. And um, we, we, it's a really real episode and we talk um, very uh, candidly um, about so much, so many very interesting things in my opinion. Um, by the way, then we do a part de. Uh, this is becoming a, a trend here on Acting Real. We're doing a part de because, you know, we talked March 12th and that was so long ago and so much has happened since then that I really wanted to catch up with Michael and just see like what he's been up to, how this past, you know, 10 months um, has has been for him. Um, and so we do that and it's a, we have a really nice part de. We talk about politics. We talk about, um, loss and grief and grieving and, um, and the Black Lives Matter movement, um, and George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and just all of the shifts that have happened, um, the dramatic shifts that have happened in our consciousness since we recorded our first episode. So I'm so happy he was game for that. And I think it'll be a really nice second part of this conversation. He's a real love. If you don't know him, you definitely do. I don't know what to say. I have found this beautiful bio on the internet, um, which I slightly edited, but I'll read it to you right now. Michael Urey was most recently seen on Broadway in Grand Horizons. He also recently starred in the Tony-nominated revival of Torch Song following his critically acclaimed performance in the off-Broadway production for which he received Lucille Lortel and Drama League nominations. He originated the the role of Alex Moore and Jonathan Tolan's buyer and seller off-Broadway on tour and in London, for which he received the Drama Desk Award, Clarence Derwin Award, the Lucy Lortel Award, LA Drama Critics Award, and nominations for the Drama League and Outer Critics Circle Awards. Whoa. Um, by the way, that show was incredible, and he was incredible in it. And those are just some of the most recent highlights. Uh 
Um, he's acted in an extensive list of award-winning plays and musicals. Film, you've seen him in Lavender. He's way more famous than you, which he also directed. Thank You for Judging, which he co-directed and also executive produced. On TV, you've seen him on Modern Family, Younger, The Good Fight, The Good Wife, Hot in Cleveland, Workaholics, Partners, and of course, Ugly Betty. He's also hosted four seasons of Logos, Cocktails, and Classics. He's done a lot of stuff, and he's a really sweet guy, and I hope you enjoy it this episode. It is a skeleton, and you have to discover where the bones I need for my life. I am drawn to create the play. And you must use the play. You must use it like an ingredient. Like, so I don't typically do research. I mean, sometimes I do because frankly, just to be respectful, like I like to know what people are up to <laughs> because I'm pretty like I kind of stay out of that. Fuck, I didn't start the shit. Um, like, I, you know, like I'm kind of, I like stay out of the loop a little bit, Yeah. a little bit on purpose because like I, well, let's talk about that more later. <laughs> um, the loop can be a really loopy thing. Well, the loop is a loopy thing. And I, it, it's, I mean, here's the thing, like. I'm not immune to getting like triggered into the kind of thinking that says like somebody's better than me <laughs> yeah. or more successful right. or less or less successful or like yeah. I'm so cool and they're so shit or like I'm so shit and they're so cool or like, yeah. whatever, which I basically have now understood to be narcissism. So like narcissism is really interesting because like I, I sort of now as I talk about it, when I talk about it, which is not very often, but when it happens, like I, I talk about it as though someone suffers from it, like suffers from like an illness. Uh -huh. Um, and, um, you know, we all to some degree suffer from it because our world is really in some ways our world. And, and actually I take it back. It's not our world, but certainly like our immediate sort of society, our, our, um, Hollywood, like, you know, we we're, we're very much, like convinced that there are people and things that are more important and valuable than other people and things. <laughs> <laughs> like we really think that, I mean, it's like very obvious to most people that, yeah, like of course that person or that job is more or less valuable than right. that other person and job. Right. And like, I just don't, I can't believe that. Like I don't, I, I don't believe it. And yet it's a very seductive and popular way of thinking. Right. And so, you know, when, when I feel like my, uh, like my skin is thinner, <laughs> yeah. I can, I avoid, um, like periodicals <laughs> 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 or news stories or like whatever that, um, that feel like, you know, are gonna like feel very seductive yeah. in that way. Because also like sometimes I'm like, I'm the, I'm the, such a piece of shit. And so then I'll go find evidence of that. And then other times I'm like, I'm, this doesn't usually happen for me, although I know it does happen for many, but like, you know, like I'm not typically like, I'm so fucking awesome. Like yeah. I tend to go on the other right, side right, of like, right. I'm the worst, um, which is just as suffering as the other side, because as soon as you think you're the best, then 
right. then you're also not as good as somebody else. Right. Do you know? <laughs> like as long as you're thinking best and worst, there's somebody better than there's you. There's always going to be somebody better or somebody yeah, worse. Exactly. There's also, you know, this business encourages you and insists that you um, try to get eyeballs on you. I mean, there's no career without eyeballs. And totally. So like, so we're, we're kind of forced to ask for that, ask to be looked at, ask to be watched and listened to. And, yeah. and, and so that idea that, that like, uh, that goal yeah. becomes, um, an obsession yeah. and, and, and it turns into, I mean, obviously what we want people to look at is our good work and the work that we do that is, you know, and, and our good fortune and the good news that we have and yeah. the good photos that we've taken of ourselves. But what, what that leads to is us assuming that everyone's watching our bad news, our bad work, our bad photos. Sure. Because, because they're all, they're definitely watching. The, the, the right. truth is, they're not really. No I mean, of course they are to an extent. Wa- well, it's just, but, everyone's watching whatever they want to watch, right? Right. I mean, people who are really like convinced that you're awesome are going to seek out the awesome Michael Yuri things. People who are convinced that you're a shithead or want to be like better than you are going to find all the shit Michael Yuri things, right. you know? Or if they think you're lousy, they're not going to watch you. Right. Yeah, like, sure. Like, or they're just, or you're not even going to like be on the radar. The radar at all. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. that's the, that's what's so, it's like, that's what's so, uh, such a, you know, mind fuck about, about the good and the bad of, of a career. It's like the bad stuff is probably not gonna make a splash. No, unless it's cats. I mean, you know, right, like unless yeah. you're in some giant. <laughs> right. But like, even then it's like, even that's like I mean, here's the thing. People shouldn't be ashamed of being a cat. Well, here's the wonderful thing, right? Is that we all have an opportunity to become a new person every single day. Yeah. Every single moment. I mean, (laughs) we, we can all just like be different, you know? And like, of course we can say, well, but, but my movies out there forever or my shitty TV shows out there forever or my, or that picture I took on that carpet or that review or or the whatever is now on the internet forever. So like, no, I can't be a different person. But then the thing is like, well, but you, if you just don't let those be, you like if you don't let those define you then you can be totally like you can you can experience joy in spite of or despite that shitty review you can experience joy despite the fact that you did cats you know and like isn't that what we all want anyway (laughs) you know what i mean i mean some people probably would rather have success and fame and money than joy but well but here's the thing but they think that that's what that's what's going to lead them to joy which is not well that's exactly right is like why do they want fame success and money before joy because they're convinced that fame success and money will bring them joy so you know which it doesn't there's some yeah it doesn't right so you can attest to that so like I, I do, by the way, I do insanely care about you. I don't mean to dismiss you. Like, I, I'm just no, saying I don't do research great. on your career. I care less about your, like, Michael Urie, the very, The IMDb like, page. The IMDb page. Or the Instagram page. I don't even think I'm, I, I don't even follow you on Instagram. I'm like, okay. by the way, I go off and on, on Instagram constantly. Me you too. I'm, I'm off and on social media. So talk about that because we've been talking about that a little bit with guests on this show. What's your, wh- how do you, and, and tell, so tell me why. Why do you go on and off? Uh, you know, I used to like get really stressed about this fact that I that I go that I go on and off. I would I used to think you need to post all the time. You need to post every day. Although I never was a person who like 
post it all the time and post it every day. Yeah. Sometimes I'll just be inspired and, uh, you know, and, and I'll think this would be a good Instagram story or this would be a good Instagram photo. Or, oh, I got a good tweet. Um, or I want to post this on Facebook. Yeah. You know, I'm on all of the uh, platforms. I check them all regularly, sure. but I don't, I'm not active regularly. And so like what, what to you, um, what like constitutes a good tweet or like, like when do you get inspired? What do you get inspired by when you, when, when, when you I want to tweet? Yeah. When you want to well, tweet or when you want to like be on Instagram or do a story or a post or a lot of times it's like wanting to promote something. Sure. That well, I that's sell the obvious. For or like, I mean, that's yeah. a lot. Yeah. I mean, I think that's really what social media is designed for is promotion. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing. We need to promote yeah. our artwork. I mean, t- Twitter, you know? Twitter can be really great for information, but it can also sure. be really dangerous for information. Yeah. Instagram is a much happier place. Yeah. It seems to me, although you can go down a wormhole of feeling terrible about yourself based on the way other people look because yeah. they're so beautiful. But sure. that is, again, your narcissism. Yeah. Right. Sure. Not your narcissism, uh, but one's our narcissism. narcissism. Yeah. Yes. Um, for example, like the last thing I got really excited about on social media was this play I just closed on Broadway a week and a half ago. Which Thank tell God. me what it was, because <laughs> this is what tonight. I was in a okay, so I was in a new play by Bess Wall called I love Grand, her. I oh, love Bess Wall. Oh, she's amazing. I adore her. So this is her new play called Grand Horizons. Okay. We played at the Helen Hayes nice. with James Cromwell and Jane Alexander and Ben McKenzie and <gasps> me and Ashley Park. Killer cast, fun. Malik Pancholi, great cat. Priscilla Lopez, fantastic I cast. I love Malik. Yeah. And All those people yeah it was really really cool and um and my dog kinley president (laughs) mckinley who i told you about she came she came to the theater a lot because we live in midtown and so it was it was she and and everyone loves her she's a great theater dog yeah and so we would do um we started doing i've done this before because she comes to the theater with me a lot she's been to lots of shows that i've been in and and it, and I, I've done this before, where I've like done a photo of her at intermission, or or a video of her at intermission, and I call it Kinnermission. And <laughs> this cast and uh, this cast really loved this idea, yeah. and so we we got really involved. They got really involved in our Kinnermissions, and oh and God. almost you know three times a week, four times a week when Kinley was there, we would do a video at intermission, That's and it was. So fun. Kinley, you know, throwing a ball down the hallway and having Kinley jump over people or, yeah. or having, um, was this a silly fun play? This is a very silly fun. It play. was, it was, it, it had, it definitely had depth to it, but it, it wasn't like a, like a farce, yeah. but it was uh comedy. And like, it, did you ever get self-conscious that like somebody in the audience was going to see your post? Did you post it immediately or did you save the post? I usually posted it once the second act had begun. Right, exactly. Yeah, because you don't want someone being like, oh, they're just fucking around yeah, back yeah. there. And occasionally our director would, would see them and say, you guys are doing the play, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because exactly. some of them were really involved. You know? Yeah, we yeah, would, like, exactly. You know, do several takes. Exactly, and, sure. Um, but, but that was like, that to me was, I was inspired to be part of social media because of that, because that was like, I wanted people to share yeah. this. I thought, it, and it wasn't like, you know, humble brag, and it wasn't. No, it just uh, felt fun. It was like you were having fun with your people. This is us. We're having fun. Yeah, and this, like doing something fun, and so here you can watch it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and um, and so that was that was like a social media experiment Beautiful. gone gone great. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I loved every second of it. Yeah, but you know, but I also like you know, I mean, I was just at a meeting here two days ago, uh-huh. um, about a job, um. And the person in my meeting checked my Instagram in the meeting. Whoa. 
Whoa. And it's like, and I have, I think I have 80,000 followers or something like uh-huh, that. Uh-huh. And she was like, that's not bad. <gasps> Whoa. Right then and there. Oh my and God. Like, wow, oh God. That like turns my stomach. I know. I was like, that's LA for you, I guess. I mean. Right, right, right. Like, like it was a super LA job too. What, you know, but like, but Wow. I hope that was enough for this job or, or do I care? Wow, or? that's so crazy. But also like, I mean, but this is, this is my point, right? This is what we suffer from in this culture is that people that like, that's meaningful. Yeah. Period. By the way, period. Not meaningful to, to, to just one thing, meaningful to everything. That right. It is meaningful it is that meaningful. you have 80,000 80, followers. And by the way, sure. I mean like metrics, numbers, business, blah money sure. yeah bottom line i don't yeah. know yeah maybe eighty thousand represents a certain amount of dollars to her and right. her mind or whatever based on your level of your role in this cast based on where the or whatever right um but it's also like that doesn't mean i have that much interaction y- yeah that many people sure. who click follow who once know? upon a time doesn't would, mean that, but, that but many people that, will see the my fact posts. that that number was meaningful to her like gives me Anxiety, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, I'm just gonna Isn't be it? honest. Like, I, and then she checked it right in front of me. Like that, like the, the well, yeah, the that it was like so obviously fine. Do you want another water, by the way? You finish your water. I'll, I'll move on to the spendthrift. Okay, well, because you can also. I mean, have drift. One. Spin drift. Sorry. Spendthrift. I, never, I know. Until you said that. Spend. I never I really thought what these things are called. I've, of course, I've had these. Spendthrift. Well, I've t- I've thought. Uh, this, is this a commercial for Spindrift now? Um, they I've, send you I've some. thought, yeah, they should send me some. Uh, I've thought to myself um, that Spindrift sounds so much like Spendthrift. Yeah, so which I guess bargain. means what? What's Spendthrift that you're ch- that you're cheap? Cheap, right? So it's a bargain. So it's a bargain. You're gonna get soda. a bargain if you drink if you drink this. this <laughs> yeah, or beverage. or like, are you gonna get a bargain, or do you just feel like a cheap person? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, We're not which way? Splurging for Lacroix. Getting a bargain—that's like the really—that's the good way of looking at it, right? That's, that's right. The like that's the okay. Anyways, anyways, so, uh, anyways. So whatever. It gives me anxiety. Um, just hearing that. And, but by, and but the like fact. A, but here's the truth: the fact that it gives me anxiety only means that. I have insecurity about Instagram. That's the only thing. And by the way, I have I have eight thousand followers. A little more, a little north of eight thousand followers. So like, and I don't care. I'm like, I, I'm I I feel very like I I you know I, I I'm not I haven't been on a show since I joined Instagram. Well, a little show actually. That's not true. I was on a series and it got canceled pretty quickly by Amazon. But the point is that like. It, there's nothing inherently in itself objectively like just like we started talking about like Instagram followers and this woman at your meeting is just as valuable as Spindrift. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's all the same thing. So it's 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 only me. It's me and my perception. Like if I feel anxiety about it, that has nothing to do with Instagram. Of course. Or this woman. Exactly. Or followers or anything. It right. only has to do with me. And that she thinks 80,000 followers is good or says she thinks it's good. That's really about her. Exactly. It's like not really who, about me. And, and, and also like... The way in which I got to eighty thousand is 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 like a it's like a piecemeal of randomness. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? I got ten thousand followers in one day because I went to the Met Gala. Oh my god! I mean, it's like that. Sure, sure, sure. You know, like, sure, and right. I, and then I and then I think I got three thousand when I was a guest judge on RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh my god, so fun! Oh, it was super fun. Oh my god! But like, like yeah. those markers. Yeah, yeah. You know, it wasn't just that I'm I'm good at you know like some people are are have Instagram followers because they're good at Instagram. Instagram, right? Exactly. Some yeah. people have in, Twitter followers because they're good at Twitter. Here's my question: So, when's the last time? 
uh, you posted something that you were like, oh, fuck, I wish. Have you, do you post, like, uh, so I'll be, again, I'm very, I'm very candid on this show. Like, I posted something a couple weeks ago, a week ago, and, like, I instantly got self-conscious about it. Like, it was the story. What, 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 what platform? Instagram. Uh-huh. I'm only on Instagram and Twitter. I'm not even on Facebook. Okay. Actually, that's not true. I recently joined Facebook. I don't follow anyone. <laughs> I joined Facebook just as a mom. It's a private, private, like the maximum privacy account. Like you can't even, and I've literally been on it twice. Like I don't even, I don't yeah. even think I have the app on my phone. Okay. But I am on Twitter and Instagram at the encouragement of people in my life. And I very rarely post it, but I know I go through phases. Like there was time, you know, it depends. But recently it's been very quiet for me. And there was this day where I like turned it on and I was like, you know what? I'm like, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling honest. And like what Instagram ends up being for me is a place to discuss Instagram essentially because I have a lot of conflict around it. Because for me, I feel like it's very hard. I I really am interested in being authentic yeah. and, um, and, uh, hence acting real you guys we're on acting real so i'm interested in authenticity and discussing authenticity and being very authentic and um and i don't actually know if you if one can fully be authentic on instagram or twitter now i don't know like i don't know i don't know but i'm always sort of aiming to be and i end up being very vulnerable and then feeling silly about things and mm. feeling embarrassed because here's so when what, you are authentic you you regret it sometimes right yeah sometimes i do because i feel like oh i was oversharing yeah. you know like i was too me like i was too like what i showed in that story um and now i can't remember specifically what that specific one was about but like i showed um you know some I I I sh- I I showed my cards that I showed that I'm like insecure sometimes about Instagram. And that in that moment felt too vulnerable that like I'm insecure sometimes wow. about Instagram. You know what I mean? Or whatever. So like I posted this thing and I really dug it and people were res- responding like, mm. you know, like wow, I love you. That's so cool. Thank and you awesome. for saying this. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, delete. And you did. <laughs> and I did. I deleted it. I deleted it because I was like, suddenly I was like, oh, God, like, and I had one of those moments, like I was up for a job and I was like, what if like people are watching right. at my Instagram right now and then they know this about me and, right. you know, also like actors are sort of supposed to be enigmatic a little bit. Yeah. Like, I don't want people to really know me. I want people, you know, like this whole fucking thing. I know. Just about this one I know. thing. So I like, know. do you ever <laughs> no. have moments about these oh, things? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I, and I, and I, and I'll see actors on social media posting things that are so revealing about themselves that make me think. Sure. Like, whoa. Like, well, I wouldn't want to work with that person. Oh, sure. You know, like, yeah. Like what? Like what? Well, no, you can't be specific. Well, a little bit specific or like, well, I mean, even just like complaining about complaining, complaining. Yeah. Just people complaining. Yeah. Because it's like, obviously, we are all entitled to our complaints. Sure. Um, and we're all, we're all entitled to public publicly complain. Yeah. But, you know, like if I'm considering, if I'm considering a, 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 a collaboration with somebody. Right. <laughs> and they're so open to complain. Right. I'm going to be wary about, about, about getting into business with them that I would hope would be private, you know, some right, kind of private. I mean, obviously right, eventually right. with this, with this, with what we do, we want it to become public, right. but, but so much about 
you know, it's so much part of what we what we put out there is the mystery of how it was made. Right. You know, like like I don't want I don't want to to talk about how rehearsals hard or sure, know, crew sure. member is this or you right. know like I don't uh, that's my own that's 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 for me I don't want to share I I don't want to share that I don't right. want to share my opinions but right. I certainly don't want to share my opinions about I mean I've and less and less I want to share my opinions about things I love sure you know I, the, there was a period where every time I saw a play or a movie I felt like I had to tweet about it right especially right. if I knew somebody part of it right. and, and now I'm sort of like you know I don't feel that need anymore. I don't feel like I don't. I, I, it's for me anyway. I don't right. want to like get stressed out about what am I going to tweet. Right, because then like somebody else sees that you didn't. I had that recently. I saw a play and I like I. I it was starring an uh, this actor. By the way, fuck it. I'm just going to say it right now because we. I saw. Do you know Marie De, Marie yeah. Desia? She's like one of my close friends. Oh, I, and I her. dig her, and she was just on this podcast, and she was just here at the taper doing what the Constitution means to me. Yeah, Maria. I hope you're listening. <laughs> um, I like went to her play. I fucking loved her. She She's a genius. She's always been a genius. It's an She's amazing like, play. She, it's an amazing play. She's an amazing actress, whatever. I, I saw her backstage. I, for like maybe a hair of a second, not backstage, like probably the day before I was like, oh, I should take a picture with her backstage and like put it on my Instagram or something, you know, like something like that. And, but then, you know, like more, I just saw her and I'm interested in seeing her and my husband was there and we were all just hanging out and then we left the play and then we came home and then, you know, we have a kid and like we woke up early the next morning and life went on. And then like three days later, I was like, fuck, I like, I should have done, I should have said in the world that I loved her play so much, even though I saw her and told her, you know, right. I should have said it. And I sort of felt like, oh, and then I go, and then this is where it gets like really shitty. I go, oh, and I missed an opportunity. I missed to, to an tag opportunity with to like, yeah. Like, or like, I don't know, to use Instagram for like what it's supposed to be, which is like promotion, right? Like this right. is like what. Yeah. Or whatever. Um, and I saw, and then I saw on her Instagram, somebody else had done that. Somebody, she like posted, reposted a photo with somebody else who I also know who was like backstage with her, like taking a picture and like saying like, right. yeah, like thumbs up. Like I saw it. So then, so then like, then it becomes like that thing, you know, where I go. And that then, person took advantage. Why didn't I take advantage? Yeah. And then, you know what I do is I like take a fucking breath and enjoy my life which is so awesome yeah like i have such a good life know. you know and you of do course. too and yes. by the way most of us do even though most of us can't see it sadly yeah i hit a wall i i, I a particular wall i hit with social media was when i realized that when i knew someone had seen the show that i knew tweeted about everything they did or or so did social right. media about it right. like i know this person x person yeah is constantly putting things on social media about their life. Uh -huh. And I, I know they saw me in this show. And maybe they even said they liked me in this show. Yeah. And now I'm looking for their tweet about right. it. That's when I was like, okay, I've gone. Right. I've gotten too... I'm addicted to this. But this, this is, is very human. Yeah, superhuman. I mean, we're just all these fucking humans. We yeah. are so... Um, I know. I mean, we're, we're very, just, we're very fallible and, and we, and we have feelings, we have feelings and, and these, and, and that's what we got on this, these platforms in the for in the first place right, was, is to connect, right? Is to connect. And right. so it's natural to, to think, I mean, I've also been to plays. I've been, I've been to see a play that I did not like, and then I was asked to tweet about it. Ooh. And I think, you know, I mean, I came up with something to say. Yeah. 
And I spent, and I spent a lot of time doing, you know, doing How that. do I like be honest and yeah. also And I also, like, I really like things. I mean, I'm right. a pretty easy audience for right, the most right, part. Right, and, right. you know, but it's just ve- like. Okay. Let's, let's, let's jump. Let's jump a little bit. What, um. <laughs> So I, here's, I used to ask people, and I don't do this really that much anymore, because in truth, I like to avoid, not, this is not right. That's not right. It's not that I want to avoid talking about acting or careers. It's, that's not it. Cause we're actors and I purposely love having actors on the show. You, you're having some spend thr- spin I just, thrift. I just opened my spend thrift. <laughs> spend thrift. Um, Sorry, that's okay. So yeah, it's totally fine. Please. I want you to drink and eat and be merry. Um, and by the way, you'll see that I put some packaged snacks there in case you don't want to touch the. I'm proud. Of, I'm proud of you for for taking something that, that we're, I really appreciate. I, I, we're, you know, like, I don't know when this is going to air because we haven't started our season yet. Um, oh. so, but we were. We'll air this one soon. But I'll just reveal that we're like in the midst of this coronavirus crisis right now. <laughs> and hopefully, by the time this airs, we'll all be like alive. It'll be. We'll we'll be alive and and. But I'm happy to be your last. Yeah, guest. and like no, never. <laughs> You're not my last guest. We're gonna make it through, guys. We're gonna make it through. Um. But anyway, I, get, I put some package snacks Thanks. in case you don't want yeah, to I'm touch them. Okay. So, um, so I used to ask, so it's not that I avoid acting or careers. I love talking to actors because I think that a lot of us are actually like mystics in disguise. Um, and, but, um, but, but I, but I always am trying to make it clear that this show is not f- for it's actors are going to love the show. Do do love the show. I know from um, feedback from social media <laughs> um, and elsewhere. But I but but I really want this show to be a show that everyone in the world can yeah. listen to, no matter what they do. Because yeah. you know, I think there's a lot of wisdom to be gained here um, that can apply to everyone and everyone's life. Well, so, actors. I mean, not to toot our own horns, but we do spend so much of our time thinking about the human condition. That's exactly right. So you know, even if we don't. Even if we're wrong, or even if we're terrible at being people, yeah. we still we spend so much time thinking about being people. I, I have to remind myself that sometimes when I'm when on the rare occasion that I'm I'm interacting with somebody who doesn't do that, yeah. I have to remind myself that even though they might be m- more well adjusted, they're not <laughs> in the business of you know uh, of, obs- of observation, right? And right. Uh, you know of of emulation, right? Maybe not emulation, um, imitation. I guess I don't even know why would you think they were more well adjusted. Well, they might be. I I mean, maybe because they don't burden themselves with with with, you know the feelings of others. Yeah, I remember you know knowing. I I still know him. This this actor who um, I got to know and I kind of fell for, and and he wasn't really interested, but. We became close, and uh-huh. and he was a really good actor. Yeah, really good, really impressive. Yeah, but as a person, super guileless. Mm-hmm. Like like not not really didn't really know how he made people feel. Didn't understand why people did the things that they did. Uh-huh. Was just sort of not not aware yeah and yeah. i remember being baffled that he yeah. was such a good actor yeah that he was able to like do the human condition but not actually be human yeah yeah so you know that's that's to what, say, like, what did like, you come to any conclusion i mean i sort of it could be that he was duping me all along you right, know? that actually like he was very yeah. aware like he had like a bit of a performance in quote-unquote real life yeah 
Yeah. That could have been, yeah. um, it could have been that he just, um, that he just gets behavior, but doesn't sure. really know why. Right. And so he's able to like tap into that. Right. Interesting. In a really, he's a great actor. I, I, yeah. He's a great actor. Yeah, yeah. And just like, you know, I, not, not that deep of a yeah. person. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So I guess, uh, so going, so my question is, um, for you, uh, and like I said, like I used to ask it in this way, but I'm not going to ask it that way right now. But I also, I, I'm happy for you to answer it a little bit in this way. I used to ask people like, how did you start? Why did you, why did you start acting? Like, do you remember the moment where you said you were an actor? And the reason, the only reason I ask that is because what I'm interested in is why are you an actor still? And why are you an actor now? And how is that journey mm. of a, a, a purpose evolved for you? So that's really where my interest lies. But if you want to, start because maybe that's useful talking about like wh why you did this because what I'm interested in is look we we evolve like our sense of purpose evolves and and hopefully as we grow and we get, get older and wiser we do the same stuff but for more expansive reasons mm. um and so like you know the very shitty example is like I started acting when I was a kid because I just wanted to get attention or I liked attention. And now I act because, you know, like whatever, it's good for charity. I don't know. It's good. It helps the world. It saves the world. You know what I mean? Like that's the bad example. Right. But like, I'm sure that there's probably something a little bit more personal for you. And I think like in everyone's lives, they can probably say like, I was like that. And now I've sort of had a bit of a, a journey here. Well, I think, you know, when I was very young, like nine, eight, nine years old, I sort of realized I wanted to tell stories. And it, and it started as wanting to be a film director. That's Ooh, what I first wanted to I do. I love that. Yeah. I was obsessed with the movie Batman and I wanted to be like Tim Burton. Yeah. And that, that's sort of, that was my entry. And then, and then for most of my like adolescence, I would, you know, that's what I would try to do. I would make my friends be in movies. I would try to make movies. And then I got into high school and started doing theater. Um, and then I thought, oh, and, and as I, I got into theater and started to understand what show business was a little bit better and mm -hmm. that it wasn't just something that I could just do. And I thought, <laughs> I thought, well, where I am, what I'm doing, you know, where I'm from, who I know are all things that, that will not help me. Um, Where were you from and who did I'm, you know? I'm from, I knew no one and I was from a suburb of Dallas. Okay. So like, I, you know, I had no, I had no, I, I had no idea where to even begin. Yeah. But what I did know was that my drama teachers um, directed plays all year. Some of them acted in plays in the community and, and they got to create seasons and, and that was really cool. And that was, uh, that seemed like a career I could have huh. and I would still fill all those desires I had to want to be a um, movie director. And so that was my, that was my plan um, <clears throat> to be a drama teacher. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and I still think that would be fun. Sure. Uh, I still think that I would like be I'm satisfied sure have... and, and get a kick, get a kick out of it. But yeah. um, well, you're teaching people right now. But this um, this crazy twist of fate happened where in my high school, my, my, my final year of high school, I had not good grades. I spent 
too much time doing theater. And <laughs> I was in this huge class, 1,500 kids in my graduating oh, class. Wow, Enormous. Wow, wow. So like <clears throat> my grades were nowhere near good enough to get into a good percentage. And I had, um, you know, I had, I had a lousy GPA and I took the SAT and like bombed it. Yeah. And uh, excuse me. Bless you. <clears throat> That's just vocal fry. That's, don't it's worry, not, I'm uh, not. <laughs> <clears throat> and um, I applied to all these state schools in Texas to be a drama teacher, which mm -hmm. my parents had saved enough money um, for me to spend four years at any drama school or any any, any Texas school. Wow. Um, and good for them, by the way. Yeah, really. They were like really solid financial planners. Yes, they like. were. And my sister, my older sister, had gotten a scholarship. So like, have they passed that down to you, by the way? Sorry, yeah, this is a real detour. No, they have. Like, yeah. do you feel like you're very responsible with money? Yes, I. Wow. I, I mean, yes, I think I. I, I rest on my like instincts mm -hmm. a little much my partner is really good with money and and my dad is involved with oh, I you know love things that. and so like what I, a gift yeah i i definitely i mean they were my both both my my partner's dad and my dad um and my mom were um big savers and so that is very much instilled um wow that's so wonderful yeah it, it definitely like i definitely feel so they, but by the way, this was, you know, the late nineties and this was state schools in Texas. We're not talking about that much money. Yeah. But they had it ready. Wait, sorry. Can I just like take a little, yeah. can we go right back to where we are about like you going to a school potentially in Texas? I don't know how the story ends, but I just have been thinking a lot about, I've been thinking a lot about money lately, but not really about money itself, more just about money as again, we were sort of talking about in the beginning as like an aspect of consciousness, mm. like as though like money is sort of the same as family is sort of the same as friendships is mm. sort of the same as, uh, like career is, you know, like that, that is just an aspect of what our life is here in the world money. And I've been thinking about, um, my relationship to money and like, as though money were like an entity, do you know, like mm. as though it were like, my kid, you know, or mm. like, or somebody that I really yeah. loved, like, like ideally, right? Like ideally I cherish money and I protect money and I nourish money and I save money and I, mm -hmm. and I don't, for example, like overspend money or, you know, like, uh, blame money or, um, like whatever we, a lot of times also do with money, like, uh, uh, I don't know, get scared about money or, you know, like ideally I have a, a nice, do you ever, do you, can you translate that into your life a little bit? Like being someone who now is sort of saying that, which I, I'm sure you are like, you have a pretty peaceful, like solid relationship with money. It sounds like, can you talk about it in those terms a little bit? How do you relate with it? Wow. Um, well, I grew up, we grew up totally middle class and, and I, and my parents grew up lower class, you know, maybe lower middle class. Mm -hmm. And I grew up in a town, Plano, Texas, where there were people who were middle class, lower middle class and people who were way upper middle class, you yeah, know, like yeah. Dallas Cowboys lived in Plano, <laughs> uh -huh, uh -huh. Uh, the football team, not actual yeah. <laughs> lives in Plano. Like yeah. there were, there were neighborhood. I went to high school with people. I mean, I, I, I pulled up to high school and my used 89 Chevy Beretta mm -hmm. people pulled up and their brand new BMW right, students, right, right, right. You know? And so 
I immediately, like one of my first understanding of money was that I didn't have it, mm. um, which I think has helped me mm. in a great, greatly. Mm. My parents, as I said, saved a lot of money. They work, they, they're retired now, but they, they worked, um, really hard, mm-hmm. um, paid off their house and, wow. and, you know, things like that. And, and, and they have saved and, and they don't want to, they don't want to be, you know, they don't want to be a burden and all that stuff. Um, but they could bail me out if I needed, right? you know, right, which right. I did a few times, you know, yeah, there were a few times sure. when I needed them to help me out with money. Yeah. Um, after I got out of school and I yeah. got out of school, I had debt out of school and, yeah. um, I was lucky that I got a TV job that paid it off, but, yeah. um, and that <clears throat> my TV job, um, led to other jobs yeah. and that I, you know, I, I also think, you know, I, I very much was of the mind that I wanted to keep working all the time. Uh-huh. Um, I took, I took no breaks. Mm-hmm. I was forced to take some breaks, yeah, of sure. course, occasionally, but like I, especially once I was like known from uh-huh. tele- television, uh-huh. I, I took advantage of every opportunity that that afforded me, uh-huh. um, especially financial ones. Mm-hmm. And, um, <clears throat> and, uh, and so I think, you know, like knowing, I, I, I think on the one hand, like knowing how to be, uh, without, Mm-hmm. Uh, has given me confidence. Mm. Um, well, but wait, can I just say something yeah, interesting? Yeah. Or like, as I hear you talk, like I'm, I'm curious actually, because what I hear you saying is that while the the money was limited, uh, I mean, y- your words I think were like, I grew up knowing that I had no money. Is that I think that's what you said? Comparatively, yeah. <clears throat> Comparatively, right. And to, you ate, I'm assuming you guys had food oh my gosh, on your table. Always. Yeah. Yes. Right. So but compared but to like the BMW. The BMWs you, you felt you had no money. But there was right. also what you just said is there's a confidence that you had. And it sounds like that was also simultaneously instilled in you. That like even though there's no money or there's little money, yeah. um, there is sort of a sense of of solidity around money that like just because there's no money, you can still save money. Or you can live yes. in your means. Living within your means, um, taking care of things. This is like my my dad took really good care of our things. Uh-huh. And my mom too, but my, I mean, I'm thinking specifically of cars. Yeah, my dad took such good care of cars, right? And tools and and appliances, right. and 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 that they they would last for a really yeah. clothes like they, things would like they would last for a really long time. Yeah, because it's. You know, because we all know what it's like to suddenly have an expense, to suddenly need to buy a yeah, new Yeah, and also there's just something really beautiful about that. Again, you know, like with the thing I've been thinking about, just the energetics of 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 having an object and taking care of that object mm-hmm. is the same as having money and taking care yeah, of the money. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, like absolutely. the energetics of really cherishing something, fixing it when it's broken. Right. Um, you know, watching out for its physical health, not having things that have a hole in it for longer than you can, it takes for you to fix it, which is hopefully very, <laughs> you know, things like that or whatever, the car totally. breaks are, um, there's something really amazing about that. And do you, do you feel like you, you have carried that into your adulthood? I have. It took me a long time. I will say once I started to make any kind of money. Yeah. Because once you, and when you're making TV money. You make a lot of money really fast. Really so it quickly. could probably be a little bit disorienting. Yeah. And and the first thing I did was buy a 
one of the first things I did was buy a condo uh-huh. that was way more than I could afford. Uh-huh. Well, I don't know if I would say way more than I could afford. It yeah. was, was super expensive. Yeah. But like it was a good, I, it was, everyone agreed, everyone in my life agreed that it was a good move because. Yeah. It's nice to own it's property. Nice to own property. Yeah. And then the market crashed. They yeah. moved our show to New York. Yeah. And suddenly I had this apartment that I wasn't using that I, that I, you know. Yeah. And I was sort of, I had, I was, I couldn't sell. Uh-huh. Um, and I was sort of stuck with it for a while. And eventually, eventually after, after years of renting it out, occasionally staying in it myself and a very nice um, neighbor mm-hmm. who wanted to buy it. Oh, amazing. Um, I was able to break even on mm-hmm. that apartment. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until really after that, that I started to think about the money in terms of, because I was, I was like, when I, when I started to make money, I was like, put it in a mattress. Oh, that, interesting. That was your first yes. response. Not yeah. an act, not literally put it in a mattress, yeah. but like, don't do anything. Oh, wow. Don't, don't take any risks. That's My only beautiful. risk was the apartment. Yeah. And then when the apartment didn't like become a moneymaker. Then you're like, fuck, I was right. I shouldn't have. I was have, right. I shouldn't yeah. have, you know, like yeah. I'm lucky I broke even, but yeah. I have been able to sort of like carefully, like, you know, only in the last few years, uh-huh. several years, put the money in other places where it could actually accrue. Right. And my dad has helped me see that. My, I have, you know, financial advisors yeah, who have helped yeah. me see that. Yeah. And we're not talking about a lot of money. I mean, I, I'm sure. not, a, you you're know, still like, doing theater. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. on TV and a lot, but yeah, we're but, not, we're not bankers. Look, actors make a lot of money when they're on TV, but we're not like, yeah. and we're certain, not like hedge fund managers. Right. And certain actors make a lot more money than others. Sure, you know, like, right. like the idea that you can be on a TV show for four years and you're set for life is a Isn't, fallacy. Yes. Yes. That is absolutely not true. Yeah. You can yeah. be on modern family for 11 years and, and be maybe set for life. be set for life. But yeah, like you yeah. can't be on just any old TV show and yeah. think that that's going to be, you know, especially now with, you know, I mean, I get more money from the residuals of the two episodes I did on of Modern Family than sure. I get from the four years I was on a right. series regular because right. that show doesn't rerun. Right, 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 right. And some shows do. Right. Anyway, um, that's like, that's like, like, that's why like, I mean, actors for so many reasons are snowflakes, but actors' finances are also snowflakes. Like yeah. we have no, like there's no way to know. I mean, I-, I It's very hard to predict the income, right? Right. It's very hard to predict. But it's also in that same way, it's like a bit of a metaphor for life. Like, um, yeah. you know, life is very hard to predict, actually. And, Absolutely. you know, we have no, I mean, suddenly like, hello, coronavirus, hello, coronavirus. Like, I mean, you know, like things just crazy stuff happens and, you know, it's the same with- it's the same with every aspect of our life. I mean, our health, any, any aspect of our health, of our careers or our factor, everything's closed, blah, blah, you know what I mean? Absolutely. So, um, so yeah, in that same way, you know, actors really navigate, uh, money, but that's sort of like, we all navigate the unknown period, you know? Um, okay. Okay. I feel like you really answered my question in a beautiful way. Um, so, Let's go back to your parents saved for Texas. So I, yeah, so I, and I had every intention to become a drama teacher. And then um, something, there was a sort of like twist of fate where I took the SATs, I bombed the SATs. My grade point average was low. I wasn't in the top half of my class. And around this time, I was a big competitor in forensic speech and debate. (laughs) I was doing um, what I thought was a very serious, dramatic poetry reading. (laughs) 
And just you like, still remembers it? Remember it, by the way? No, I read it. I don't remember it. Okay, I read okay, it off okay, the page, okay, so I don't okay. remember it. There was, there were, there were <laughs> I did a, there were a few, but this one was what I thought. I thought this one was about, I, this was about a divorce, some kind of divorce. Okay. Um, 17. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and I was acting the hell out of you were it. Acting. I was really you were doing some real yeah. acting. Yeah. And I was doing this like big competition. You know, I was, I'd gotten pretty far. I, I, was, sure. I was good at this You're stuff. Good. I was like, yeah. good, like I was successful at yeah. this competition thing. And this audience, this particular audience, which was, you know, 40 people, 30 people, mm-hmm. you know, in a classroom or something. It was a tournament. They start laughing. Mm. I, and I think, what are they laughing at? This is really serious stuff. And then they mm. keep laughing and they keep laughing. And and it just makes, you know, the more they laugh, the more they want to laugh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to think that maybe I can lean into that. Mm. And I, 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 this is all happening in the six minutes that I'm reading this right. poem. I think that's a long, that's a long poem. It's a long poem. Yeah. yeah. It might've been a few that I sure, strung together, sure, but sure. actually I think this was one long poem. Yeah. Um, I was like, maybe I can work with this. Maybe I can like own yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I, so I, every time, every time something was coming up, I thought, would they laugh at it like this? Would they laugh at it like this? Yeah. Would it be funny if I did it like this? Yeah. Meanwhile, all, I mean, this was stuff that I didn't even know was acting. So, sorry, I just, again, like, I just want to pause really quickly because this is why I asked, this is why what you're describing, this is why actors are mystics, in my opinion, <laughs> and any kind of artist, really. Because what you're describing is that you're doing something and while you're doing it, you are the doer. And also you're having like all of these thoughts, you're adjusting like second to second, millisecond to second, I mean, moment to moment, oh, yeah. spontaneous adjustments happening, right? Yeah. So you're the doer and the the doing. And That's right. I'm executing and creating. And the done. Yeah. You're the doer, the doing, and the done. <laughs> All at once. All at once. And that's like this amazing thing yeah. to hold. Yeah. And that was, and, and I've felt that since. Sure. Yeah. Well, that's what we, especially. that's what we did. Yeah. But, but like that was the that first was a time. huge shift was in a, consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. There was one moment. I remember one moment a few years earlier where I got a big laugh off of a, something that I just did on instinct mm-hmm. in a play. And mm-hmm. that was also really that was something that I repeated it. I was like, oh, that is something I got. I have, I have that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but that wasn't, that was like, this was recalibrating in the moment. Yeah. And on the fly, you yeah. know, and I won. Whoa. I won the state competition. <gasps> Woo! So that happened. That happened. And then you got into schools. And then, well, no, that, no. <laughs> that happened. And then, and then coincidentally, Juilliard I, got, I got rejected to no. all of these other. No, you did. Well, yeah, but they had, I mean, they, they had no idea that I had just and then won that tournament. Some big shot in New York. It's they like, were, I heard a kid won the state <laughs> finals in the the debate. Let's get him up here yeah, and make him a yeah. star. I'm sure that they were, no, they wish. were watching I wish poetry. That's what yes. No, yeah. that's not quite what happened. But, but. but I, at the time, you know, I think at that point I had already taken the SAT. I got the results; they weren't good. Mm-hmm. The college is all new because you you tell yeah. you tell the SATs to send them to you know <laughs> send the scores no matter what to whatever yeah. college, and all of these minor schools in Texas—not minor, but like 
not I'm not talking about UT or AM. I'm talking about like Midwestern State University and West Texas AM yeah. and Stephen F. Austin, which are great schools and schools that I really was looking forward to potentially going to yeah. and studying education and theater. They rejected me. Yeah. And and I thought, okay, well, maybe this is a sign. I just had this very uh, monumental moment for myself acting. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. I'm being told not to teach. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a community college not far from here that has offered me a scholarship. They have a really good theater program and they, they know me. They've offered me a scholarship. I've been going to see their shows for a few years. Um, maybe I should go take a year and do that and do plays with them and, and maybe then regroup and become an actor. And I remember getting all these letters, or at least one of the letters, and realizing, oh, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get them all. And my sister was there, and she's seven years older, so she she was visiting. Yeah. She, she didn't live there anymore. And I remember she was there, and we talked through this. Yeah. And it was it was pretty sobering, but also a relief. Yeah. You know, because yeah. I, I didn't know that I had been second guessing being a drama teacher oh, wow. until yeah. then, yeah, you know, yeah. it was like, it was like, it was a, this great sign that said, don't, don't go, don't go spend four years. It's so years. funny. You have like the reverse of that dumb thing that people say, like, if you can't do teach, like you couldn't, <laughs> couldn't talk, teach, you couldn't so teach. So you did. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right. Um, so I went, so, so I went and said, I'm going to go, I went to the community college and said, I'll take your scholarship and I'll go. And then, and I made that decision. Yeah. Everyone was happy. And then, you know, the ACT? Like American Conservatory Theater? Oh, no. the, the test, the, the testing. Test, yeah, like the East is, Coast version of the ACT. It's like the shapes and colors version of the SAT. Oh, is it the shapes and colors? I didn't realize that. I thought it was just as standardized as the SAT. I thought it, is it was just like as an standardized. East Coast, West Coast thing. Maybe it is an East Coast, West Coast thing. And in Texas, we took both. That could be, oh. but but my understanding was that the SAT is like left brain and the ACT is right brain. Oh, and I aced it. Whoa! Yeah, I did great on the ACT. Whoa! I mean, aced it. I did great. Well, also because it spells act, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you were an That's actor exactly right. through and exactly. through. I, Hello. I aced the drama test. <laughs> you aced the drama. And I failed the numbers test. <laughs> okay, yeah. So. And then I got accepted to all those schools. Shut that the fuck me. up! And then did you reject them? And then I rejected all of them because yes. I made my decision, and I was and I was happy with my decision. Do you know this just reminds me of this story? Uh, you know, which I'm going to now butcher, but Josh Radner tells it in the very first episode of Acting Real, if you'd care to go back to it. And it's also like a, an old, old, old proverb, like Buddhist proverb. And I'm going to, again, like I'm going to butcher it, but it's like, um, you know, there's a village and uh, in the village, um, and in the village, there's this, it's, there's this a family and um, the village uh, what the fuck? No, I'm gonna butcher it. Okay, so the son one day is riding the horse. It's I'm just gonna screw this. It's something like the, the son's riding the horse, and the the um he he gets bucked off the horse and he breaks his legs. And everyone in the village says like, "Oh, like we're so sorry. This is such terrible news." And the father says, "We'll see." And the very next day. 
this is like the last two parts of the story and really it's like a much longer story but anyway the the, ne- the very next day the village goes to war with a na- neighboring tribe and oh all gosh, of the go. sons in the village have to go to war and and then you know they say like this is such great news and the father says we'll see and then you know something else crazy happens about like women and blah, and then like again the new and the point is just that like you you can't know you don't know what's good news and bad news you know you might know what feels like good news and bad news you might so know true. when something sucks or feels amazing but it, there's no like uh, you don't know what the ultimate outcome is going to be until you die or until you're going to die and then you you have a, the best sense that you could have but other than that really like. Mm-hmm. And this is like such a great story like that where it's like you don't get in, that sucks, but then you get offered this amazing scholarship and you decide to go there, that's amazing. And then like, well, then I guess it just gets amazing from there, right? Well, the teacher at the community college audition, uh, urged me to audition for Juilliard. Oh my God. Oh, and you did go to Juilliard. And I, and I got in. Oh, right. I forgot that you actually went to Juilliard. <laughs> oh, I was really? just sort of randomly saying a- Juilliard. I forgot that you went to Juilliard. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. And so I was going to stay there for two years and then figure it out. But after, actually, even before we started school, that summer after high school, I went on a New York field studies trip with the community college. Uh-huh. And on that trip, we toured Juilliard. And this teacher, who I really didn't know, yeah. said you should audition for oh this my God, To me, specifically, not that. to everybody, to me. <sighs> and so, you know, whatever, nine months, six months later, I did. And I got in. And then I was in New York. Oh, my God. And that, that money that my parents had saved... For me to go to school. Then for, goes to Juilliard. It was one year. Oh, that was funny. <clears throat> I know. Um, okay, so on the pee break, we just had a pee break. Okay, we had now a pee we're break. back. <laughs> and then check your phone. Check your phone for Corona updates break. Check your phone for Corona updates. Broadway um, just closed. For those of you tracking history, <laughs> they just closed Broadway for a month. When I wonder when I'll release this. Like, what what our perspective will be? I know. We don't know. So this fa- is all I mean, we, have no we have no idea. idea. We've never. We've never gone through yeah something like this before yeah not quite not really i mean it feels like that feeling of like 9-11 where it's just like shut like that's all anyone's thinking about like yeah um but of course it's very different from 9-11 in a million ways yeah but also like it's you know what it is it's a consciousness shifter i mean you know like so many things have been not just disasters but like Computers are a consciousness shifter. Yeah. iPhones are a consciousness shifter. AIDS was is a consciousness shifter. You know, things like that happen. 9-11 was a consciousness shifter. Things that happen that like just change Trump. the way we think. Trump is a consciousness shifter. Yeah. Excuse I know. Me. Oh, did he just, did he just give Major you gas? Major gassy <laughs> chocolate burp. So sorry. Yeah, did you watch Trump's your Hillary fault. documentary on Hulu? I, I didn't. It's intense. What? What? <clears throat> tell me why. Well, it's 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 a, it's a wonderful documentary, and at times very uplifting, and mm-hmm. and at times very upsetting. Uh, um, <clears throat> but you go through the election again. Mm, yeah. Which is really hard. Yeah. 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 It's really it's a really you know confusing and painful thing. Mm. Um, we're about to go through it again. And we're about to go through it again. But also, you know, in terms of, you know, you look at the Me Too movement. What would the Me Too movement have looked like if Hillary had been elected? Sure. Yeah. No, I mean, we don't know. It's so interesting. What would this, what would this virus have looked like if Hillary was we, president? We don't, not, we don't know. We don't know these things. And I mean, a lot of people are, who listen to this are going to go like, it would all be better. 
<laughs> sure. Everything in the whole world would be better yeah. and will forever be better if Trump had never been elected. Yeah. And that may be true. That I mean, may be true. That may be true. It may have, but it may have also been the last bump in it may be the last course, bump course writing. That's right. It may also be that. You know, of d division. I yeah. mean, I have to say, like, he wasn't my first choice or my second choice, no. but watching Joe Biden actually win mm -hmm. on the last two Super Tuesdays mm -hmm. was in life is heartening. I, yeah. I, I felt, yeah, I felt happy. Yeah, just seeing somebody like actually win. Yeah, right, totally. You know? yeah, and and divisively win. Right, right. Just right. so that there's no like, you can't like, yeah. You know, yeah. There's there's no gray area. He's winning. Whether mm -hmm. he ultimately wins, right. I know this like still remains to be seen. Right, right, but right. But like it's nice that there's like some it feels like there's some wind of change or something or some right. something we can just like hook our heads well, on. We're we're there's there's like a coalition. Yeah. Yeah, right. We're right. we're we're okay with this right. and we're going to get behind this. Right, right, right. As opposed to I mean of course, you know, like 4 years ago was very different because no one thought that he would win. No one thought he would win. I know. So I know. it was easy to like be harder on her. Right. But it was also easy to be harder on her. Right. 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 Because right. of who she was. Yeah. And what she was. Yeah. Yeah. We get these ideas about people and things. <laughs> we get these ideas and then these ideas become their own sort of entities. And like the more the idea, the bigger the idea, the more people have the idea yeah and the more people talk about the idea and the more the idea seems to become real yeah or whatever and it's just the we're it's all ideas yeah and, and feelings you know but we like we attribute fact to feelings when really they're just feelings but this is how we all think i mean this is how we all think this is what we all do and like this is normal there's nothing but this is like i can't like that's what happens in politics. We have ideas and we have feelings. Mm -hmm. And then like our ideas and feelings become things that are real and people get elected and laws are made and injustice happens. And then we have more ideas and feelings about those things. I don't know why I feel the need to like deconstruct. No. <laughs> like it's just, it is really, but it, it like, it's very, um, you know, I come from a family where like people watch the news all day long, like, uh, you know, like, and, and, and I'm very, like I, and they, we watch, they watch the news all day long and are very angry about it. Like there's a lot, <laughs> very angry and, and, and afraid, mm. you know? Um, and <clears throat> which channels do they watch? Oh no, they don't want, no, no, they're on the, they're on, they're on, I think they're on what I would safely call our side of, uh, uh -huh. of the world. They're on the, they're on MSNBC. Okay. Um, um, and they're, you know, they're, they're deeply, deeply liberal, yeah. deeply, deeply atheist, you know, like oh. real, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and, uh, and I don't know, it's, 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 I, I have a, a, a hard time relating with it because, um, I don't know why, like I, I, the, the fervor is the fervor, you know, like the, the anger is the anger mm -hmm. and like 
that's what it really is, is this, this anger. And then there's injustice and there's horrible yes. injustice and horror. You know what I mean? And like that is, and that's something that we need to be educated about and fight against. And we need to stand up for people who are smaller than us. But like, I don't know how much, um, sitting and being angry about the news does. Yeah. Like, I don't know what that it I know, does. I know. Um, <clears throat> because on the one hand, like the news is, you know, basically 95% coronavirus today. Yeah. Which is probably good. Yeah. If we want to make sure we stop the spread, you know. Right. Like we want to know, but we want to know the basics, right? We want to know like, okay, we're going to flatten the curve. That's what everyone's talking about right now. We want to flatten the curve so that the coronavirus spread. Is get, the coronavirus is going to spread. It's happening, but we don't want it to spread exponentially. When it's flatten the curve, just make it spread, just yes. sort of like a basic linear, yeah. something a little bit more predictable. We can just like do that by staying in our houses and not like touching people and not traveling and whatever. Not going um, to big crowd, not, not right. Big but like the but but there's a real temptation to like watch it as though something new is going to happen at every second that if we're not informed of right in that second, mm -hmm. we're going right, to like right. fall well, off the edge of the and earth. That's the ratings. That's the rating. That's the ratings. Thing. Yeah. There's this real, like, as though like there, there's something that, you know, and that's, I mean, when we're afraid, we, we are seeking comfort and like we tend to seek it in a really backwards fucking way mm -hmm. like no one on the news right now is gonna say like you're safe you're healthy right because you're, turn it you're off. okay <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and the president you know is has it's so interesting what he does whenever there's like some kind of because these are like presidential softballs sure when you when it comes to like talking about a crisis right like it's the easiest just, part of his job right be Just, like a loving and safe yes, and, and he's protective. so incapable of that. Yeah, and he even—I mean, I saw him this morning talking about how he said something about like canceling an, a, a rally mm -hmm. because he said something like <clears throat> we're canceling this rally in Nevada because they'll say that they'll we, say. Yeah, we shouldn't always, have done it. Yeah, yeah, and then he was like, and 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 uh, the Democrats are canceling theirs too, although they don't get very many people. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it all comes back to uh, you know what his. It'd be so easy for him to to like goals are. be a hero. No, he's but he's not a human in that way. Right. Um, okay, uh, but I want to let's get back to humanity. Um, <laughs> back to life. Well, here's my question: Is that my, I didn't set an alarm, guys? I didn't set an alarm. I don't know why that's happening. Very strange. Um. Um, so, so, okay. So then you're in Juilliard. <laughs> yeah. So you're in Juilliard and here's what I want to know. What, uh, so from the moment where you received that first laugh or the moment where your dramatic monologue became a very comedic one, um, and you had this shift, um, like what do you, now all these years later, like what? What stokes your fire like that? I mean, and by the way, that you could answer that question a million. Of course, you could say like, I still love getting laughs. Of course, you yes. know, like, but like what we all do, everyone does, 
actors and non-actors we love getting laughs yeah, it's fun to like make people laugh. laugh yeah because it's very connective it's so <clears throat> right. connective to like get a, a very and and laughter is very authentic usually. yeah you, it's hard to fake laughter yeah so um i mean we could do it that's sad uh, i've worked with tv writers <laughs> yeah uh, right yeah right <laughs> you know what's funny america ferrera yeah who played ugly betty yeah yeah she and i don't think she'd mind me saying this she cannot act laughing really it never. <laughs> Does she know? Is she aware of that? She's too? totally aware of it. And yeah. anytime her characters like ha has to laugh, yeah, she gets really uh, 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 like nervous, yeah, uncomfortable, and That's she's like, "It's not going to seem real. It's not going to seem real." And then she does laugh, but it's her laughing. Yeah. Oh right. It's a very right. funny because she's such a good actor. Yeah, and She can right. kind of do anything. Right, right. But this is one thing she can't do. Oh, that's she can't, so funny. Like, pretend yeah. to laugh. Yeah. Well, it's a it's a very hard thing to it's do. Just a great just sense like of crying, humor. by the way. Crying yes. is also hard, and laughing is hard. Like any sort of extreme of the emotions yeah. can be sort of quote unquote hard. Yeah. Different people for different things. Yeah. Like different actors sort of find the different things difficult. I mean, I can act laughing, and I'm sure you can. I'm act pretty good laugh. at acting laughing. Yeah. And then crying uh, was sort of later in the game for me. Me, but now I can now I can cry pretty pretty easily too. Real tears and everything. Oh yeah. Oh. Uh -huh. Oh yeah. I've had some real shit lately. I just did a movie where I had to like. I got I like had one of those scenes where like I got a call that my sister killed herself and I had to like Burst go there. Tears. Yeah. What'd you do? How'd you do it? I did it. Dude. How? Because I don't know if I could do that honestly. <clears throat> By the way, not only did I do it on set on the day, I did it with a coach. Where the coach, I was like, I don't even know how I'm going to do this scene. I don't even. She was like, just do it, go. And I just did it right there in the room. And so you just like, I imagined that I got a call that someone was going to. That's all you did was imagine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. We can geek out about it. Like, I'll tell you like all the nitty gritty of it if you want. But like, basically. No, it's been several years in the making where I've discovered this muscle of like how to um, open myself to that level of feeling in the moment rather than what I used to do, which was like try to listen to sad music and mm -hmm, like try mm -hmm. to like I used to like do a whole thing where I thought like I needed to like store up the emotion in my body so that I could then like release it at the right moment or something. And what I've now learned to do is that like actually like just like in life, like if something moves me in the moment, like it can move me in the moment. And then beyond that, what it is is just a mind game of like you have to trust yourself that you have that and that like in the moment where you're called upon to do it, like you can do it because you know that you've done it before and it'll be fine you know because a lot yeah. of times what we go is like oh shit i don't have to cry <laughs> i don't yeah. have to cry and then um and gonna, what if i fuck up and i don't cry and then i fake cry and that's like the worst thing ever and like, right. you know what i mean well in the theater like you know like well theater it's eight times a week if you have to cry like you're not gonna get it every time you're not always gonna get it it's but not there, always gonna be real. right right but there's like but there but then but I mean, some people i'm sure can't but for me well it's, yeah it depends i mean the la i did this crazy play where whatever see now we're now we're now we're talking about acting people maybe this is interesting to some of you yeah, but it's real baraka is this interesting to you about acting <laughs> okay <laughs> um but uh i did this play where i had to uh, be wasted on these docks and uh, like essentially I th like I was so upset in this one moment wasted this on play. these docks yeah this is the play I was on the docks I was on the docks this is the final scene the penultimate scene of the play is my character was on a docks and I was drunk 
What's a dock? Docks, like docks, like boat docks. Oh, oh, okay. Like docks, and so, so but only, the way you're that only we on one at a time, this, right? Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I was on a dock. Okay. You're right. <laughs> I don't know why I said it that way. I was on a dock. I, I was don't like, know. your legs are really yeah, not docks. Yeah, okay. dock. Okay. I was on a dock, and I was sitting on the edge of the. The way that we did this is by you know a lighting effect, and I sat like literally on the edge of the stage, like the lip of the stage. So yeah. I was like so close to the audience. It was a five hundred seat theater or whatever. Okay, and um. My character, my her fiance had just stormed off, left her, left her, um, and she'd hung her hat on this whole engagement. Like it was very important to her, and um, she was very drunk, and her whole family had kind of turned their backs on her, and she had to in this scene, th- drunkenly kind of throw her engagement ring to the bottom of this ocean. This very expensive engagement ring, and then like, essentially grieve in that monologue her parents or her now I can't her mother's death her sister had cancer and I think her um mother died of cancer but like it was this crazy monologue like fuck cancer fuck cancer Uh fuck cancer like weeping wailing fuck everyone fuck cancer fuck my ex-husband fuck his new girlfriend fuck my blah 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 and like you know and and it was like night after night and it was like really like that was where I sort of like got the strength to like know that I can do that Uh but I and I would say there were probably you know there were I mean, yeah, like I didn't do 365 performances, you know, or whatever, sure. however many a year people got. So I did probably 40 or 50, uh-huh. you know, maybe 60. I don't know. I never calculated. But, but, but yeah, like there were like probably three or four, five maybe that like weren't fully engaged. Right. But the thing is, you know, you trust and you know this, like you trust that, you trust that, um, that it will always be different. Yeah. As long as you're like truthful, you know, yeah. which isn't the same thing as authentic, I think. You oh, know, I, I mean, oh, sure, sure. Like an authentic, like crying authentically, I feel like comes from inside and, and you right. can like truthfully show crying mm-hmm. that might sure. even lead to authentic crying. Right, I mean, that's, sure. that's happened to me sometimes where you're like, I know how to get there. I right. just, I don't know. I, 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 it's just not going to start inside me. It's going to have to, I'm going to have to like, Muscle in it. Yeah. But by the way, that's kind of like everything, you know, and this is like a great way to bring this back to like everyone in the world is that, um, you know, like sometimes we generate, we have to generate a little bit and then we can let the winds of that generation carry themselves a little bit, you know, like this is, I know nothing about animals or science or anything. Okay. But don't, it's like eagles, right. Or birds, they kind of get onto like a heat what are they called? I'm like looking for anyone. To tell a me. Signal? Like, like, like a, they get like on a heat. Somebody listening to this is like, it's a this. And I don't, <laughs> it's a heat circle or whatever. And they like rise higher and higher and higher on uh, the oh, wind of that. On the wings like, of love. The, well, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's that. I on think the it's heat the wheels of a dream. <laughs> on the wheels <laughs> of a dream. On the wheels of a dream. They just rise higher in their like things. Okay. So like what I'm trying to explain is that essentially you get the flywheel in motion and then like it has inertia and so it carries itself. But you do have to get the wheel in motion. You have to sometimes generate a little bit. When you want to feel good, sometimes you have to generate a good thought. You have to say to yeah. yourself, you know what? I feel really shitty right now, but think, 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 think. Ah, oh, I'm really into my socks. 
these socks are like fucking hella soft socks. <laughs> and then maybe from there you go like, and yeah. And like, these shoes are pretty cool too. I really like these shoes. And I remember that one time when I bought those shoes, I was with that person that I really loved. And so then it starts to take on a life of its own. But in the beginning, you have to generate it sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's really useful. Yeah. So that's interesting. So, so, so I just want to like, and we're going to end really soon, but I want to know, I just want to know, and you don't have to answer this anymore in terms of acting in your career, but I guess in life, like, when you're having a shitty day, like, why do you do this? What are you exploring? What, what is your purpose here? Ooh. A tiny little question. <laughs> I think, you know, uh, to me, we, we actors, we storytellers, we are obsessed with each other. Mm. I don't mean other storytellers. I mean, other humans. We find the human condition fascinating. We mm -hmm. find great stories um, to be our life force mm -hmm. and we want to keep telling them. Mm -hmm. um, part of the reason that I always say yes to things and, and keep acting and keep taking jobs is that I want to like keep working mm -hmm. and keep pushing all the rocks up the hills. But Part of it is also that like there's there's not enough hours in the day to tell all the stories that I want to tell mm. and all the stories that I think, you know, I can tell. And I think it's wanting to get into the skins of as many different people as we can and mm. get better at it and get and yes, get more fans and get mm -hmm. more eyeballs. Mm -hmm. um, because why? Because that because we want more people more to hear the story. To tell the story, and and you know, the more eyeballs that are on you, the more risks you can take. I mean, I guess that's by the way, that's a really backward shit to say. Do you realize that most people would say the more eyeballs on you, the less risks you can take? What a, an amazing perspective you have. Well, a very courageous perspective. That's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I mean, for me, I have found the more eyeballs I get. I mean, not, not necessarily the, the the thing that the eyeballs are all looking at, but maybe this other thing over here. I can do safely and get some of the eyeballs to join me. Some of the eyeballs from, you know, some of the eyeballs that are that were watching me at the Met Gala uh -huh. will come and watch me off Broadway, or sure. you know, some of the eyeballs that were watching me on network TV will come you know, to this festival I'm producing or, right. you know. And at the festival and at this other little play or not, I don't mean to say little, but the, the, you're, you mean tiny, you're no, <laughs> no I, know I you mean, mean of whatever, course, of course. your wonderful Broadway play that you just did with Best Wall, like, um, and all those other amazing people you enumerated, um, like when you connect with these eyeballs, what do you want to say? I want to say, I see you. I want to say, um, watch this, enjoy this. Um, think about this. Um, tell me what you think about this. Sometimes, <laughs> not always, uh, you know, always yeah. don't always you need know. to know or, sure. or want to know what people think about something, but laugh at this, mm -hmm. you know, enjoy, see, 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 look, see me, see you. Um, um, you know, I mean, mostly my work is like, you know, let's have a good time. Yeah. 
but it's also like let's you know a lot of times i think it's let's be better to each other you yeah. know uh, the things that i gravitate towards are the things that are about people being better people yeah um or trying to be better people or mm -hmm. or you know or or dealing with having not been a good person yeah um and what what that brings to you whether it's immediate or not um like so, karma karma yeah karma but also like you know like isolation i would much rather i would much rather not get as far ahead for being too nice than to like step over people to mm. succeed i mean i feel like that's that would not be worth it right you know so okay we're gonna wrap up and this is my last question can you just talk just a little bit more about your how you uh engage with your idea about karma like on a day-to-day -day basis well I mean, for me, karma, you know, I, I, I am a well aware. I mean, I, I live with an actor, writer. I have lots of friends who are actor writers. Um, I'm, 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 I keep up with showbiz news to an extent and I'm fully aware of the privileges that I have because I've had, because of, um, the career that I've had thus far, I understand like the, the doors it gets me in. Um, the, the, the ammo I have in a negotiation, um, you know, that yeah. I have this, you know, I randomly have 80,000 Instagram followers <laughs> will help me from, will sure. help me over others sure. from time to time. Yeah. Um, also, you know, being openly gay mm -hmm. helps me, of mm -hmm. course it hurts me, but like things, you know, mm -hmm. There are jobs that I that I wouldn't get if I was in the closet or if I was straight. Mm -hmm. um, just like there are jobs I don't get because I'm gay. But but I have there is privilege in 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 the notoriety and in and in the longevity and all that stuff yeah. that I'm very aware of mm -hmm. and that I don't take for granted. Mm -hmm. um, and 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 in fact, there are things and and because of the like this sort of disparity between the haves and the have nots specifically in show business. Mm. Um, I do everything I can to close that gap. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. you know, because I know, I, I mean, specifically what I'm thinking, I keep thinking of is this festival that I produced called pride plays mm. that we did last year and we're doing again this year. And it's a queer theater festival, play, wow. play readings festival. And last year we did 19, play readings in five days and wow. this year we'll do even more and and it is an opportunity for people who don't get opportunities i mean yes we're, we're doing famous plays and we're, we'll have famous actors in readings but we also get people on the stage as writers and actors and directors that um that might not get a lot of other opportunities yeah um and because you know like I'll be the first person to say that there is no lack of queer plays in the theater. Mm -hmm. um, there isn't that. I mean, you know, there are queer characters in television and queer characters in movies. Um, and a lot of them are played by queer people. Sometimes they're played by straight people. Sometimes not. Sometimes queer people get to play straight people. But the truth is that like there is there, there the, 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 it is not a level playing field. Mm hmm. And 
the the LGBTQIA community is very diverse, mm-hmm. and as as well as also being its own diversity, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So yeah. so like they're all lumped together mm-hmm. often. All those letters mm-hmm. and socioeconomic backgrounds and races right. and religions that are within that community mm-hmm. often get lumped together, which is, which is, I get, I mean, I get why, you know, a group, right. a theater, a, 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 a studio, um, a company would say, well, we're doing this queer work. Mm-hmm. Why would we do other queer works? I understand why you would lump all those together, but they're actually, it's actually as divert within that community is just as diverse as the straight community yeah um yeah of course and and that was something that you know when we decided to do this festival something that we we like really had to look into was like Mm. like are we representing this community because this community isn't you know it's it's really really vast and there is no other with the exception of like differently abled people sure i don't know that there is another uh, minority group that is as diverse, right? Has as much, has as many different, you know. So, you, you know, this festival is 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 in part to show how much we have within the community, because because I think to an extent that the the mainstream queer um, enter the mainstream queer people in entertainment. Uh-huh sort of end up being one kind of thing. Right. Sure. Um, yeah. And part of this is like, you know, I, I sort of came to realize this when um, Jesse Tyler Ferguson, who's my very good friend, he and I keep following each other. Yeah. Um, specifically, in, like in specific roles, like mm-hmm. like this play that I just finished. I need to get him on this podcast, by the way. Oh, he'd be great. Yeah, 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 great. yeah for sure. This this thing we just finished was the third time that that one of us had started a job and the other finished it. So he did this production in um, Williamstown and I I did it on Broadway. Um, He did this, uh, uh, this one man play was written for him that he wasn't able to do. And so I did it. And another play I had, I workshop that he ended up doing. So like, we keep doing this. And like, I think he and I are really different. Yeah, of course. And yet we keep ending up in the same pigeonhole, which I think is, is very is very interesting. Um, I think it can be explained a lot of different ways, yeah. and I think like that that we have become these sort of two gay leading men. Yeah, um, is great. Obviously, yeah. like having the having having enough jobs for both of us is really great. Yeah. Um, but there's a point where you think there's more actors than just those two guys, yeah. and those two guys are actually quite different from each other. Yeah, yeah. It's not, you know, they're, they're, if you if you want. A, a Jesse Tyler Ferguson type, it's not going to be me and vice yeah. versa. What, what they're looking at obviously is other things yeah. um, like TV gay notoriety probably. Sure. But, um, <laughs> but that was like a real eye opener to me that, that we need to, we need to like, we, we need to widen this pool Yeah, yeah. or deepen the pool, I yeah. guess. So that, so that there are more people f- and, and, and I think, you know, there's like famous people and then there are people who are really struggling in, in the community. And I think there's a middle ground. There yeah. needs to be like a, there needs to be like a, a middle. And, and I'm hoping the festival continues to be like mid-level. So you're talking about service. I mean, yeah. you're doing service. You're doing, you're serving your community. Yeah. I mean, I hope so. Thank yeah. you. I, I hope, I hope, to, I hope that it becomes, I mean, the, the most beautiful part we did, you know, we did, a, we did a reading of Our Town. 
the play Our Town with an entirely trans, non gender non-conforming, non-binary cast. And and to see all of them together, not, I mean, in the play, yes, it was beautiful and and enlightening and the play sung. Yeah. Um, But to see them all interacting with each other and then, and then at mixers with everybody else, like seeing the community really actually get together and say, we all have two things in common. We do theater Mm -hmm. and we're queer. Yeah. And that was, it was really beautiful and exciting. And, uh, and, and you, and you you just, there was a sense in the room, like there aren't many mixers like this. There aren't many opportunities for us to all get in a room together. Right. And maybe these are the only two things we have in common. Yeah. But that's enough. Yes. That's That's enough for, for us to like, help each and this other matters. This and this matters. matters getting us together being in this moment yeah sharing our love of of yeah life being willing to 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 say yes to each other right right yeah beautiful Thanks. dude i adore you um, ditto okay all right we're recording um it's so nice to see your face and thank you so much for being game to do this because we recorded our episode so long ago (laughs) i know and by the way what's crazy is that like it wouldn't have really like a in a normal time, like had it just been the average March 12th, which is when we recorded to December <laughs> 21st, then I probably, I wouldn't have added anything. It just, all of the things we talked about are very like universal, but because uh-huh. the world has undergone like the craziest shift, I just feel like we need to catch up. Oh my gosh. I mean, I love that you wanted to do this because I remember so vividly coming to your house. I remember seeing you i remember refusing to shake your engineer's hand yeah which was the first time i'd ever done anything like that right uh and i remember and then i I remember it was really raining a lot that day right and i remember leaving and i remember the phone calls i had on my way there and 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 leaving on the way back with ryan my partner and my um you know, my reps, because I was about to shoot a pilot and Becky, who I was about to star in the pilot with. And I mean, I, I remember all this. And I remember going to, I think I, I think I left your house and went right to like Target. Mm-hmm. I was on the, I was on the hunt for hand sanitizer mm-hmm. <laughs> and I didn't find any. I, I bought, I still have it actually. I bought like, uh, I bought stuff that I thought I could make it with like aloe vera <laughs> and alcohol and, mm-hmm. and this, it was a so, but I but I don't remember what we talked about. Oh, I totally remember what we talked about, and I'll tell you all about it. But I bet I'll tell you that what's so interesting is that like we had so it was March. So the next day, March thirteenth, <laughs> was the day that we went into total shutdown. Like right, it was right. my husband came back from a business trip on March twelfth. And we were still like, well, are you going to leave again on Monday? Probably not. Maybe like the company will shut down travel for a few weeks was the thought. Um, And so we knew something was up. I had, in the episode, we talk about how all my snacks, which normally are very like abundant and free flowing, were (laughs) individually wrapped. So we like knew that it was, and then also at one point you or I, now I can't remember, cough, we coughed and and we were both like, "Uh uh-oh. Like, is that, you oh, know, yeah. but oh, we yeah, were, I remember. 
I had, yeah. I think I had a coughing fit off of a nut or something, like a, a, a peanut something. or something. Yeah. But what's so interesting to me is that neither of us were wearing masks and we were inside. I know. But we didn't, we weren't hip to that yet. Like we didn't know that that was about to be our life is always wearing masks. Right. And even for a few weeks after that, they told us not to wear masks. Right. Like you're, you're okay. Right. Yeah. Like yeah, we they, probably they didn't get like, masks until like mid April or something maybe. Yeah. They were like sick people should wear masks, but everyone else is, should not wear masks. Right. Plus there was this mask shortage. Right, 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 right. So yeah, they were like, like don't op- don't order the N95s, you asshole. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wild. That's like a different era. It's It feels like a different era. So, okay, so you remember, okay, so, okay. okay. So you remember the calls before and after. You then flew out, like, the next day, right? Yeah, oh. so so we were waiting, I think, I think, the 12th is when they shut, I think the 11th, they shut down the NBA and the 12th, they shut down Broadway. And so we were just like waiting. Becky hadn't gotten on a plane yet. We were about, so Becky Newton and I were about to shoot a pilot uh, on the Warner brothers lot. And I I came early to like chill out. And I had a couple of meetings, uh, do your podcast. And just like, I mean, I had been, I had done two plays in a row in New York and I was sort of burnt out. So I just wanted to go and just chill and maybe see some friends. But I got there and the only person I saw besides you were these two meetings I had. I didn't see anybody because I was just, I was like, now I have to stay healthy for our pilot. And right. at that time I was, I was focused on like, I have to stay healthy so that we can shoot our pilot, which was right. sort of crazy to think that that's what I was thinking about. But I was going to the gym. I had a gym membership at the Warner Brothers gym. So I was going to Warner Brothers. And I remember <laughs> that was like the only thing I did was watch the news and go to Warner and, and like go to the gym. And I remember wandering the lot at Warner Brothers and like hunting for hand sanitizer. I remember thinking, if I see a bottle of hand sanitizer anywhere on this lot, I am taking it. <laughs> Isn't that strange? That's what I was like. That's what I was focused on. That's where my brain was. Yeah. And and so and so Becky and I were on the phone constantly. Ryan and I were on the phone constantly. And I mean, I feel so lucky that I was there for work and that I had you know a production sort of that could taking, fly you back right away. Exactly. Sort of yeah. taking care of me so that you know so so that. I think it was the next morning, the 13th, we got a call saying, um, we're going to get on the phone, all of us in an hour or something to discuss what's going on. And, and, and I was already looking at flights at that point. I was like, this is, we're not going to, well, and, and Ryan and I were like, cause Ryan was going to come join me with our, with our animals yeah. and, and we were going to be here, be in, uh, on the West coast for a while. Yeah. And he was like, I'm not sure I should come. I'm, I think maybe you should come back until this all blows over, you know, and, you, you know, and, and at that time, of course, we were all saying, okay, I'll come home for a couple of weeks and then we'll go back and shoot the pilot. Right. Um, but wow. it's been almost but, a year. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, oh my goodness. I mean, you guys could still, are you going to shoot that pilot still or? No, it died. It's so sad. It's so sad. It, it was, um, it was so good. It was so funny. It was it was such a such a good script. It was like it was it was up until the pandemic. It was a a, a really like um, it was like a it was it was one of those like blessed experiences. Like mm-hmm. like like Becky and I 
said we had wanted to do something together for years mm -hmm. and we said okay what do we, why don't we try something let's see what where do we begin and i had had i had a good relationship with peter roth who was the who is still for another few months the president of warner brothers mm -hmm. and so we we had breakfast with peter peter said come meet our writers we met with michael patrick king he said mm -hmm. i want to write this for you i have this great idea uh, you're, you know, the, you're, the, the two writers that you love the most on like Betty will write it with me, John and Tracy. So mm -hmm. like, it, and then, and then we went and pitched it and we, it was a bidding war. I mean, it was like, it was, it was, like it was everything it was, good happened. Yeah, I mean, it, it was like, it yeah. was such a, such a like charmed experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we were there, like I had a parking spot. We were, we were going to start, you know, rehearsing any second, the cat, it was cast. Mm -hmm. Um, and it all fell apart and it was uh and so so for a while we thought we might we you know we thought maybe we'll still be able to do it mm -hmm. um but then um cbs you know it just got like the backlog was so like cbs wanted to preserve the shows they had and then they they really only wanted to pick up the shows they'd already made yeah. or um and then on the on, on top of that i don't know how much this like weighed into it but our show is about a brother and a sister who run their family funeral home Wow. And, you know, we were at a point where people were dying yeah. and they couldn't have funerals. Wow. So like, people are still dying, man. I oh mean, man, oh, oh are, are they ever? I and mean, they're still not able to have funerals. And it's like the thing, it's like so crazy, too. I mean, what really strikes me is like what, you know, like how much the substance of this conversation would be different how different it would be if we were to report it today like not that we not that well you know we talked about instagram and we talked about insecurities and we talked about like all of these things that by the way are just as fun and important and relevant to talk about right now um but of course since we had that like not only have i don't even know what the current like close to three hundred thousand americans have died let alone like the deaths worldwide and then you know, also George Floyd, uh, yeah. the Black Lives Matter movement, the yeah. fucking, you know, um, election, insane, the election. Oh, <laughs> I know. God, thank been... God for Joe Biden. I know. I know. It's I mean, thank year. God for not Trump, you know. Yeah, I um, know. So, yeah, I mean, just so much has happened, but like not to not, you know, it's a really interesting thing. Like you. I, I mean, have you lost anyone close to you to COVID? Um, you know, I had a right, right, very early. Terrence McNally died. Of course. Uh, and I, I, I don't, I wouldn't say that we were close, but I knew him pretty well, and mm -hmm. I loved him very much. Mm -hmm. And that was, and and I run this queer. Um, I, I'm, I'm a co-producer of a queer theater festival. Yes, we talked about that. Oh yeah, Pride Plays, right? So we were. I was probably like all excited about. Well, we did it in June um, online, entirely online. But um, Terrence was like one of our first yeses the first mm -hmm. year and mm -hmm. he came and he was there for it. And, and so like, mm -hmm. he was just so important. He's been important to me my whole, my whole like theater knowing life. Mm -hmm. um, but also, you know, once I started doing theater in New York, he would, he came to everything and, and he yeah. was so supportive and such a lovely guy. And, and he had battled he had such bad lungs mm. um, that like he was, you know, he, he couldn't get it and then he got it. So, yeah. so that was really, that was really early on. But 
otherwise, um, I've been very lucky. My partner's mother got it. Um, this is sort of crazy. I have had a few jobs uh, over the, the 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 year. I've been very lucky, and I've had a few jobs, and uh, one of them took me out of town. And Ryan, my partner, took the opportunity to invite his mother to visit, and she showed up with it. Whoa. Did she know that she had it? No, they just tested. No, she didn't that. know, but she got, she, Ryan was like, mom's here. She's got a cough. And I was uh, like, uh-oh. Oh, gosh. and so she had it and she, her, her, you know, like five day stay turned into a month. Wow. Um, I was lucky to be gone the whole time. I mean, lucky. I mean, I was gone the whole time. I wouldn't have been able to come home anyway, right. because it was here right. in this room. She, she lived in, the, this is our bedroom. She wow. lived in here and he lived in the rest of the apartment. Oh, wow. um, luckily we have two bathrooms, but he, he <sighs> got it too. Um, oh, no. But he was essentially asymptomatic. Um, he sort of like, it kind of like, as he, you know, as he like, this, as, as, as the time goes on, he starts to realize he had more symptoms than he let on. Cause I think he right. was- you know, like, like the other day I was like, you don't smell cat pee. And he was like, I don't smell cat. We have a cat. <laughs> I was oh. like, that cat peed somewhere <laughs> um, and I'm smelling it and he couldn't smell it. Yeah. So like, there's yeah. still a few like lasting, yeah. um, lasting, uh, symptoms, okay. but, um, she was hospitalized. Um, she made it through, she's home. She's okay now. Uh, but that was tough. That was scary. And then, you know, in the last, I feel like in the last month, this was a few months ago now, but I feel like in the last month, I've known more people to get it than the entire pandemic. Yeah. I feel like it's everywhere right now. What about you? Oh yeah. It's everywhere. Um, Let me think. I know people who have gotten it, not like my closest, closest, but like pretty close. Um, Jim's, my husband's um, uncle-in-law, like a a distant-ish relative, but somebody who was in an old age home passed Mm -hmm. away from it. Um, um, We've been pretty uh, fortunately like sheltered from it, to be Mm -hmm. honest, Um, although we've been like nuts, 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 careful. And, but somehow my mom and my, um, my, my stepdad have been totally like everyone's been very safe, but they're super vulnerable. So somehow they've, they've not gotten it. Um, we're also very lucky to have some rapid tests courtesy of my brother's work. So we've been like able to like before family gatherings, like take a test, you know, um, but we've stayed pretty isolated and, um, Uh, My curiosity is, and like this is just sort of the only, because this is going to be a little shorty, right? We're not going to do a full app, but I am curious. Like, so people have experienced huge grief, obviously, over the past year. And also, I think, huge expansion in different ways. Um, Loss of identity and, um, Mm -hmm. or like sort of certainly like identity expansion or maybe, you know, anyway. and I'm curious, like, even though, like, you haven't, I guess, I guess what I'm curious to, what I want to acknowledge is that even though, like, it's just your pilot and you have a generally blessed life, like, there might have been some grief around losing that opportunity. 
to COVID, um, this opportunity that was so blessed and felt mm-hmm. so like wonderful and so kismet, you know, and then like yeah. that just goes away. Like it's still, I mean, you know, even as you were talking about it, it's still a bummer, but it's not somebody yeah. dying from COVID and it's not certainly like cops murdering your child. Yeah. And yet like there is space to feel sadness about that. And I wonder, I mean, I'm sure you've likely moved through it. It was probably many, many months ago, but I'm wondering if you could just talk a little bit about that and like your process of dealing with disappointment. Yeah. I mean, it comes in, it comes back sometimes, you know, Becky and I are still in touch all the time and, and, you know, it'll, 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 you know, rear its ugly head um, with us both that we, you know, we spent years trying to make something like that happen. And, and then we had such a perfect, it was, it was almost too perfect, this like trajectory towards pilot. And, Mm. and it was, it was a, you know, and we had all these ideas and, and, and dreams that were sort of stemmed out of it. So yeah, it was one of those, like, you know, we all in this business face so much rejection. Um, It's basically constant, even if we're not aware of it, you know, like, we're being rejected even even you know even unbeknownst to us so (laughs) you know what I mean like every every day there's some our names you know (laughs) are crossed out at some point or another you just know it's happening um what a sad little thought (laughs) yeah anonymous rejection constantly (laughs) all the lists that you know there's so many lists you just got to imagine how many na- how many times your name is crossed off of a list that you never even <laughs> hear about. But um, so yeah, it was like it was really rough. But but again, like like you said, like it was such a charmed thing, and we got paid. Like mm. you know, like that was at that time that we were getting paid to not do our pilot. What and that's that's like that's one of those TV things, like mm-hmm. you know, like that wouldn't have happened in the theater or necessarily a movie. Um, but, but thanks to, thanks to, you know, the giant uh, conglomerate that we were working for, um, they paid us. And I think at the time they thought we could still make the thing, but, um, but you know, like it was, it was the more sad thing was not losing the job because that's so normal. Um, it was losing this, like this perfect little um, thing that was like, our, you know, daddy, Peter Roth, who had like given me so many opportunities, this amazing uh, leader, Michael Patrick King, and like my best friend slash sibling, Becky Newton and I not being able to, you know, and and then, and and, and the sadder part, the sadder than losing that pilot was over these months realizing that like, it's not going to be that easy again. Um, And the world has changed. So like, the sensibility, like, that's the thing that's been so clear. It's like, at the time that we were pitching our show and the time we were about to make our show, what we had to offer was really valuable for whatever reason. And it doesn't feel like it is anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, that may change. It, like things may come around that may change, but I also felt that on, I mean, uh, you know, I don't want to, but the thing that, you know, the, the, just to talk a little bit about what happened in June when George Floyd was murdered and, and Breonna Taylor was murdered and, and how the black lives matter movement, came to the forefront again Mm. I was right in the middle of producing our theater festival the pride plays festival Mm -hmm. and it was already a challenge because we did it in a 99 seat theater the first year and now we were doing it on zoom 
mm-hmm. um, and with Playbill.com. So, so uh, we were doing it like in a medium we didn't understand. And now suddenly, because Playbill.com wanted to be part of it, which was really great, we were doing it for much bigger audiences. So it was at once getting smaller and bigger. Um, and the world was going through a pandemic, of course, and we had a trash president, of course. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those two things... Uh, well, you know, one kind of created the other. And then the two of those things created this movement, this social rights movement. And it really came through the theater in a major way, in ways, you know, I mean, I was aware of the Black Lives Matter movement and I had marched for the Black Lives Matter movement in the past. And then immediately, you know, was part of like, you know, in New York, there were so many protests and, and we we went we went every day for a month. But what I didn't know was how how much inequality there was in the theater. Mm, And and I knew how privileged I was in America, but I didn't, I didn't realize to the extent um, how much my privilege in the theater had gotten me where I am. And that was a really, that was a bitter pill because I mean, it, it was, you know, like, and and doing this festival was fascinating because we had lots of people of color in the festival, lots of of and and all kinds of queer people, you know, non-binary, trans, lots of lots of you know, gays and lesbians, and, and so many different kinds of people in this festival. And what was so interesting was how, and we were all emotionally compens- uh, uh, compromised. We were all already emotionally compromised by the pandemic, mm-hmm. and to watch how hard it was for these, you know, essentially woke queer people mm-hmm. of all colors to deal with the Black Lives Matter movement that was happening. And it was fascinating to me to watch from my Zoom how, just how um, dexterous, especially mm-hmm. our Black artists were mm-hmm. at continuing to work mm-hmm. and how how hard it was for especially the white people to like to to to, dis- to the discoveries that we were all making mm. and the realizations that we were coming to in the theater specifically i feel like these this group of people was pretty woke to like the bigger picture mm. um the bigger society stuff mm. but it was this it was really the inequity in the theater that i think was really in your face oh man and yeah. and like like a ton of bricks like mm. oh, holy crap, that thing we thought was good was bad. Mm. You know, like colorblind casting is actually erasure. Mm. Like, oh my, you know, like all these years. And I haven't been producing that long, but for years and years, I've been part of things that were color. I mean, Shakespeare, my gosh, so many things that are colorblind casting and, Mm. and, you know, musicals and, and, and to realize that that is erasure. Mm. So, so that was like, so I would say like June was the hardest month for me in part because I was so busy doing this festival and because like the world was, it felt like the world was on fire, but because the thing I love so much, the theater, um, was already shut down mm-hmm. and in shambles and, you know, who knows what it will be like when it comes back, mm. but that it was going through such a reckoning and that that so many of these amazing artists that I knew and had worked with and had admired had been had been keeping this for so long that they had yeah. been 
this for so long. So that was, that was the really, that was probably the darkest point. I mean, of course, and then watching the last two months, watching how horrible these numbers, I mean, you know, how wonderful it was that Biden won and what a, what a true, you know, wake up it was mm. to realize like, oh my gosh, we, we can actually, maybe we can actually get through this or at least, at least repair our country um, or start to repair our country, but then to see how bad the numbers have gotten, how, how foolish Americans are. Yeah. Not take this thing seriously. Yeah. It's, I'm, I'm really like, I really feel you as you're talking. Um, and I think it's what you're describing is like that, that sort of, um, that sudden awareness, um, of like essentially like how, how, the pain of so many others, the pain um, of um, black actors in the theater um, and just black people in the world. Um, and, you know, to some degree, all people of color, um, you know, to reckon with that is really in, in such, in such a clear way is, is startling and, and also like sad. It's very sad to, to yeah. suddenly become aware of something that you that you have have had some part in creating that is really hurting right. com completely just through your own lack of awareness, this whole group of people. Um, it's really, and I think that, that the experience you're describing is one that so, is hope, frankly, hopefully fairly yeah. universal for white people in this moment. Like yeah. um, um, we all need to, to to gain a, a a full understanding of um what our what white privilege has afforded us um and of the ways in which we have you know stayed ignorant of the plight of black people in this country um yeah so i appreciate your sharing that and i think like you know if there is like a i don't know like a a, a nice a, a happy takeaway to this crazy last 10 months. Um, it's that, it's that we've, our awareness has expanded. Um, we just know more. And I think we have been called upon to feel more compassion for more people and um, understand how connected we are via, frankly, like feeling. I mean, yeah. we, we feel what other people feel. We all have to feel what we're humans, like in our human bodies, the feelings that we have are feelings that so many of us have. So. I hope so. I, I, I hope, I hope so. I, you know, there's, there's also, the, I remember feeling, especially, you know, in June and July when this was really going down, I remember thinking, you know, all of my white woke friends, you know, quote unquote woke mm -hmm. friends who are reeling right now with this sort of like, you know, this, their privilege being, being much bigger than they realized, uh, even if they did realize it, like, like, like that we were even open to the idea. There's so many people who aren't open to the idea. There's yeah. like half this country is like still voted for him, and yeah. and and you know, like. But as you say, like, if it was the pandemic ultimately that that was Trump's, you know, Trump the Trump candidacy's final nail in the coffin. Yeah. And if it was the pandemic, ultimately, that led to, you know, that, 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 that forced everyone 
who was home to watch George Floyd die, mm. then, then, you know, maybe that will be the thing that comes out of it. And maybe, you know, we can have a, a, a renaissance in the theater mm. now that we know, you know, now, now that we know what actual equity looks like and, right. you know, and maybe Joe Biden's presidency will be extremely effective. I think it could be, I really, like, I think he could be an amazing leader. And I do and, too. I mean, already with the people he's cho- choosing, I, I mean, it's just like very, it's, it's heartening for sure. And Kamala, are you fucking kidding me? I mean, I it's just, so, I mean, I, I really, you know, I, I cried in my living room watching their, whatever their, when they just, whatever that speech the victory speech the, the victory speech yeah and and seeing Kamala make the speech and just know. knowing that my two-year-old daughter like that that's normal to her to see a female vice president let alone a black female vice president that's mm-hmm. fucking bananas I mean it really like it gives me chills right now just talking about it. it's such a, a moving thing yeah I know I mean, and, and his whole cabinet is actually gonna look like America yeah isn't that phenomenal? So I, I actually, I have high hopes too. And, you know, I, I'm, and also, by the way, just very quickly, and this is off, talk, off topic, sort of, but with Biden, it's like, he's had such a fucked up life in I so know. many ways. I mean, he's talking about tragic loss and I, know. I just feel like it's what a just personally, like, I feel um, I have a lot of empathy for him and, and I feel like personally, uh, really like happy for him that he got something that he really wanted toward the end of his life and, um, that moment when I don't I, you know the day that that he was finally declared the winner it was a gorgeous day here and everyone took to the streets and it was so amazing yeah. but I remember like we had decided not to watch television that morning not to have it on because it was mm-hmm. so maddening yeah. and we heard the screaming outside so we turned it on really quickly yeah. and you know, the package that the news media had prepared to talk about Joe Biden when he was finally declared the winner. He was declared the winner the same day, like for, uh, for 50 years, 40, 40 years later, 40 years after he was, he, he won uh, his first election. No so like, yeah, I was like, so they had that prepared. They started yeah. talking about his career. And, and like, for the first time, we were really able to like, like actually talk about him Mm. and her and mm-hmm. not Trump. And from yeah. that moment, watching Trump become more and more irrelevant, it's been so refreshing and so, re- so relieving, but also yeah. so frustrating because that, that all he was was a guy who won the presidency and he had so much power for so long and so much more power, I think, than most presidents do because he was so... Divisive. Yeah, what, divisive and vindictive. Yeah really took up more space than any president in our lifetimes, for sure. Yeah. With his his constant, you know, throwing... Just attention around. getting. I mean, yes. this is what's so interesting to me, too, is like, um, I had a, a very wise, very wise friend of mine say that, like, going into the election, like, in fact, election day, I think we spoke, and she said, I just keep repeating to myself, bye. She's like, because all we fucking talk about is Trump, Trump, Trump. We just hear his name everywhere. Trump, Trump, Trump. And like that night I went to bed. Remember the first night it wasn't looking very good. Oh, I know. And it was like, I was just like, this is too sad. Like I have to go to sleep. And, um, and the next morning I, 
like woke up very early because um, I do anyway, but I like looked at my phone and I was like, holy shit. And from that moment on, I started hearing Biden more. Right. And there was like a big lead up for the next few days, Biden, 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 Biden right. get, got louder and Trump kind of got quieter. I like know. just, I heard his name less right. and it just felt like this. And, and I, and I do think that what you say is so true. Like, you know, what we feed grows and like just through our outrage and our um, sense of like our, our outrage at this injustice that is Trump and at the atrocities that like he alone had the power to, I guess, help unfold as the president or, you know, foment. Like we like Trump became such a huge figure. Like we just talked about him. A lot. He got all the attention that he asked for. And, yeah. and also I just think that's a metaphor for our life. Like when there's some really shitty thing happening, the more we give attention to it, the bigger it seems to become. Totally. Whereas if we can just listen to the quiet Biden whisper, whatever the meta, however that metaphor works out in your life, like, and just let that become louder. Yeah. Like I remember him that first debate, which was so disgusting when Trump yeah. wouldn't wouldn't shut up. Yeah. And Biden looked into the camera and said something something like you know, like, don't worry, he will go away. Mm. Mm. And I remember thinking, like, thank like that made me feel so much better, him saying yeah. that. Yeah. And every time he looked into the camera, I felt so much better. But also yeah. that this man whose wife and daughter died tragically whose son later died tragically, whose yeah. other son had a drug problem mm-hmm. and who had dis- he and who was, you know, like an old man himself mm-hmm. and has done nothing but serve this country for the last 40 years. That this guy, this poor old man <laughs> has to deal with this total crazy person yeah. screaming at him, yeah. shouting about his son's drug problem. Like, like, like he doesn't deserve that after all these years, after all that he's been through, they have to like, and at that point I thought if Joe Biden loses at this point, yeah, Trump. Yeah. I mean, I know it was yeah, such a, but, but you know, that, that quiet, like he was so steady mm-hmm. been so steady all these years. Mm-hmm. He's been mm-hmm. so steady. And especially through the whole campaign. I remember actually when I was, when we were, when we did the podcast was when that week was when Biden started winning the primaries. Mm. Was it? It been, yeah, because yeah, it had been, you know, like Bernie won some and and, yeah. and Mayor Pete was looking good and, and and but Biden was like, you know, steady. Mm-hmm. And then he started to like 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 win fair and square. He started yeah. to like really win. And I remember even though like the news was so much about the pandemic and I was so focused on the pandemic that was, you know, mounting, like I remember thinking how nice it was to see someone win <laughs> just <sighs> win fair and square like just outright win by yeah. oh, good, good. he wasn't my he wasn't my first choice yeah yeah same but he but like now i know he was the choice like yeah. he was always the guy he was yeah. the guy he was the yeah. guy to beat oh thank god <laughs> thank god oh right? thank god oh thank god thank god for the vaccine thank god it god seems to the be vaccine yeah like be. things are things are maybe hopefully looking up a little bit yeah so i'm very glad to be speaking with you i am so happy you wanted to do this because i have thought about our podcast episode a few times over the over the months and what a and and you know like what what a strange and uh unique time that was when we recorded it 
Yeah, we needed this. We need it. it was like it does. It feels very like I feel very connected to you. <laughs> <laughs> it was so vivid. I mean, we. Yeah. Should, I I was I saw very few people, you know, and since and have seen so few people since then. Yeah. And uh, you know, like I, it was so vivid that that day and the rain. It's, it never rains in California. Yeah. It never rains in Los Angeles. And yeah. And I was having conversations. I've never. Oh, oh, another thing I wanted to say. I know this is running long. You can cut this. Tell me, tell me. No, I know I won't. That day, uh, after I'd gotten home, not in the car, but after I'd gotten home, um, my publicist, Julie Nathanson, who had been, um, when I first got on TV, you know, I I had I was a guest star in the pilot of Ugly Betty, and then eventually they made me a series regular. But so, but it, I was in all shows. But they, they like said you're all shows produced, but you can't be a series regular until you get the back nine, uh, which yeah. you understand. But like, okay. but basically, I wasn't making real money. I was making like guest star money, which was mm-hmm. also great and more money than I've ever made in my life. But I couldn't afford a publicist. Yeah, and Julie Nathanson came along and said, "I think you're great. I like you very much." And I and I want to work with you, and you can pay me when you can. I'm going to hip pocket you, mm. and you start making the real money. We'll we'll start. We'll figure out a rate. And she worked with for me for months for nothing. And mm. and it was when I started working with her that I realized, really, what a rep rep could be, mm. and what like a rep meant. And I I left my agent and manager, <gasps> and I only had Julie for a while. What. I only had Julie. Yeah, I mean, I still paid the agent manager because they got me the they got me the job. But like, I I was like, this isn't working. You know, like, you know, I I I don't think I can ever take the next step with you because my deal. You know, it was one of those situations. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. the deal was what it was, mm-hmm. and unless I had a new situation, I it wasn't going to change. Mm-hmm. And so I only had Julie for a while, and she was, and I I didn't make a move without her, mm-hmm. and. And then I got a great manager and a great agent and, 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 you know, thanks to Julie in part. And and Julie introduced me to my still manager and, um, and then Julie got sick and was fighting cancer. And when I got to LA for this thing, she was, she was, she had been in and out of remission. And so she's, you know, when I, when I, when I go to LA, if I'm there for three days and I see one person, it's Julie. And on that trip, I kept thinking I should go see Julie, I should go see Julie, but I also kept thinking, she's very vulnerable. Yeah. And so I didn't go see her. But that day, after your podcast, we spoke for about an hour, just about all things. And mm. she said, I'm, I, I just want, I want to let you know, it's good that you didn't come see me, but I'm also, I have, I have a surgery on Monday, a pretty big one. So, you know, just in case we don't talk, you know, before then, I'm just letting you know, blah, 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 blah. And mm. I was like, oh, okay. Um, and then I left, I left town, you know, the pandemic hit. She had the surgery. I was in touch with her friend who was helping her rec- recuperate. Mm-hmm. And she never got better. And she died. In, um. She died in April. And all, so, and, and all these, and so I still, it's like, like that was that day. And I remember it so vividly talking mm. to her that day. And all, and you know, she made me feel better about everything just by talking to her. Mm. Um, but I also knew, you know, she was laying me with some pretty heavy information uh, on her own personal mm. medical. And I was like, are you sure you're okay to go to a hospital right now? And she's like, I, I don't want to, but I have to, and this is important. This will be, and she, she said this to me many times over her, you know, health, health issues. This will be the last one. Mm. Um, 
And it was, it was the last one because she didn't make it. And it was very, very sad. And she was such a, like, and there's still every few days I'll think, oh, I wish I, I would have, I wish I could talk to Julia. I wish I could ask Julia. God, I wish I could ask Julia. That makes me cry. That's so sad. What a loss. I know. So not, she was not a pandemic loss, but she, you know, that was. A loss was a, during the pandemic. Yeah. One of those things where like, she, she like, you know, she it was ended up in hospice and, and, but nobody could go, you know, she had, she had one or two friends who like quarantined with her and took care of her, but mm-hmm. you know, that's something I would have been there. You know, yeah, gone and been there if I could have, and as her, as would have her family and and so many other friends, and that happened. You know, think about all the people who've died this year of not COVID. Yeah. Oh my gosh, so many people. Yeah. It's fucking bananas, actually. Oh, like I know, it really is. I mean, what? I mean, just. It's it's crazy. Um. Yeah. How many people have died of not COVID? Yeah. I mean, it really, um, it's so sad. Um, well, I'm glad you shared that. And, and, and obviously you've, you know, been, I mean, okay, have you, did she have like a memorial cert? Like, how have you dealt with that grief? I mean, that's really, no, that's like a mom figure for you for oh, over 100%. a decade. She taught me show business. She yeah. taught me, you know, she taught me what, what it was like to be on TV and, and to walk a red carpet and, yeah. you know, all those things that, you do when you're on a TV show. Yeah. Like she taught me all that stuff. And then she would like, you know, I mean, she was always in LA. So, you know, she didn't, she wasn't able to do as much for my theater um, career, but she was always there. I would talk to her about everything and, and mm. always touch base with her. And, and again, if I went to LA, she was, I would always go visit her. Mm. And she was definitely like a mom mm. and definitely like, you know, um, fairy godmother and 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 there's a big hole i feel like there's there, you know when when things are back full to, to normal i guess also she didn't charge me when i wasn't on, sure. on yeah. you know she wasn't i wasn't paying her all the time i was only yeah. paying her when i had the money or when yeah. i was getting paid wells but she still worked for me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so like i don't know if i'm gonna find someone like that again yeah you know yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I know, well, I know you may, but you may not, it may not feel as close, you know, as you may not feel that kind of connection to them. That you yeah. Do. Yeah. But you know how people like that in this business. Oh dude, it's, it's, it's next to impossible. I know next they're impossible. really, and I didn't realize that at the yeah. time I didn't, yeah. it took me, it took me years to realize just how special that relationship was. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And even between, I mean, I, I saw her with other clients too. And I, and I realized, Oh, I'm special to her. Mm-hmm. You know, not only is she special to me, but I'm special to her. Like, I'm, uh, you know, she was willing to work with work for me for nothing. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, I know. I do yeah. know what, what a huge loss that is. Yeah. I do know. Well, thank you for sharing that too. I yeah, just thanks. adore you. I really yeah, feel you right now. I know. Um, yeah. And I'm um, happy almost holidays. Happy almost holidays. Happy <laughs> almost vaccination. Yeah. Happy almost New Year. Let's get together next time I'm in LA, Please. whenever that might be, and, and actually hug. I don't think we hugged. We didn't. Maybe we could. Well, I'm, I'm virtually hugging you right now. Okay, it feels like good. in the biggest way. <laughs> <laughs>
That's our show, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at I am Kat Foster. Reach out to us using the hashtag ActingRealPod. We really, really get those messages and we really, really answer them. Links and recommendations for this week's episode can be found at ActingRealPodcast.com. Episodes drop on Mondays. Most importantly, if you love this show, please subscribe to it, rate it, review it. We love seeing those. That means a huge deal to the show. We're so grateful for you. We love you. Have a great day. This podcast was produced by the incredible Augusta Chapman with help from our amazing coordinator, Hannah Barbakoff, and our very talented sound engineer, Baraka Jenga. The music, which I absolutely adore, is composed by Sean Hokinson.